feel sorry for him, man. Hey, hey yo, we got to come peace, save him. Peace, 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 peace and love, peace and love, peace and love this brother Garfield. This is the final for Black History Month, Scholars 20 for 20. And I thought I would bring the best of the best in the African-American community. So I said, hey, let me bring the squad in here because I'm in raw squad has been the prototypical, I should say, what's the word I should use? When you talk about the highest level of scholarship in the African-American community, we look at the Amira squad. They up there. They might not be the number one, number two. We're not dealing with top 10 dead or alive, but they up there. You're talking about Dr. Mm -hmm. Mayat. You're talking about Asari Motep. You're talking about Naya Amara. You're talking about Unquest. You're talking about Jonathan Owen smash Rockwell in the building. And of course, my brother Sanjedi not in the building, but shout out to Sanjedi too. You know, Jedi in the building also. I know he's probably watching or he's probably busy. But all right. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you to these guys. And each of them are going to tell you why they do what they do and why they love it. But we're going to have a build on different topics that they want to talk about. I'm giving them free reign tonight. I'm giving them free reign. Why are you guys considered the Amira squad the best of the best? Why shouldn't we look to somebody else? We're not going to call no names. Young, what's his name? Young, whatever. Why shouldn't we turn to folks like those? What's so special about the Amira squad? And why have you guys held this status in the, within the African-American community for so long consistently? Whoever want to answer first. Hmm. Um, um, now, you know, this is your, you know, this is your question. Um, so go in and torpedo this, man. <laughs> no, it just, it, it was a need uh, to allow real voices to be heard in the situation. And so, you know, I, you know, based off what I know about everybody on the panel, man, uh, serious individuals. And, and I knew for a fact that if, if we didn't have some type of methodology, if we didn't have some type of real professionals, with, with, with education that we was in trouble in the conscious community. So I literally got put out the conscious community, you know what I'm saying, for bringing in the squad. That, that's what really happened. So I, I can't recall the last time we've been part of that, but it, we, we needed some serious thinkers that wasn't going with the narrative that one, uh, the white man is superior in what he do. We wasn't thinking that. And two, we'll use anybody's work if it's right. And I, I know for me personally, having conversations with Asar and, 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 and just dealing with the way he was thinking and then meeting Dr. Mayotte and understanding the way she was thinking and talking to Naya and just the, the, just people, period. Uh, Sanjeti Wuja, um, it's just, it, it, it made me realize, yo, that, that, man, it's another level to this. And so I just wanted to introduce, I really wanted to introduce the community uh, to what I found and other human beings that loved Africa, but wasn't afraid, you know what I'm saying, to, to use everybody's work, white, black, green, purple. I felt like the community was just stuck in a little corner. And I, I just didn't see John Henry Clark, um, Hubert Harris, Dr. Benham. I didn't, I didn't, John Jackson, I didn't, I didn't see them being stuck. I, I kind of learned evolution from Dr. Benham. He quoted certain white authors. And, you know, it was, it was weird for me because, you know, I was, you know, I was in a cult. Right, and we went black allergy one on one. So for oh, me to get out that box, hold on, hold on, hold on. You chipped out for like a quick two seconds a while ago. Is there something with you? You're moving around. Is there something going on with your signal? I don't you know. chipped out yeah. for a quick two seconds. You hear me now? Are we gonna be on for a while? 
All right, go ahead. Do your thing. So, so no, I'm I'm think? just basically saying that it was just it was it was refreshing to get another a, a fresh look at the situation. You, you know what I'm saying? To be able to use all the scholars' work. And I never forget a saw told me I was like I was naming some books. He was like, "Yeah, that's just a start." I was like, "Hell, this nigga talking about man? I'm talking about D.I. I'm talking about Dr. Ben. He talking about this another level." So you know, it's it's just it's refreshing as African Americans, man, to one be proud of being an African American, and then two be proud, uh, you know, to have ancestry in Africa. And I think you know that's I think that's what separates us from everybody else. Somebody else can join in. Saw. Yeah. What 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 made you guys um come together to tackle this on a whole, and what makes you guys so good? I remember um coming on trial when without you guys, I don't know what would have happened. <clears throat> Smash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. It 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 basically um came as a result of what you would call divine accident if any such thing exists, um, because, you know, you have to go way back before 2010 on the blog talk radio. Uh, myself and uh, Brother Unk had two separate shows on, on blog talk. And it was only a few of, of us in total, you know, who were bringing any kind of uh, serious information. And so Unk had a show with uh, Sister Nikki Love and a bongo. And, and then I had my show, you know, in a separate arena. And, um, and so I would, you know, do what I've been doing for years, interviewing scholars and talking about different topics and whatnot. But, you know, Unk, of course, likes to to debate and argue with folks. So for some reason, he attracted a lot of Hebrew Israelites. And when, when the Hebrew Israelites would come on, you know, I would come on and, um, and join into the, into the debate since I was a former Hebrew Israelite, specifically with the uh, uh, Israeli Church of Universal Practical Knowledge now called the ICUBK. And so for a lot of that doctrine, I already had a background and knew where they were going. And so, um, and then, you know, of course, with my Africana studies, I could counter those, those arguments with other types of facts. And so more and more people came on, your Sanjetis, your Ujawus, and others. And then it just kind of organically formed um, in, in, in around that time. So I think um, I ended my show in 2010 and a few months later, that's when Unk starts the, the actual Amira Squad blog talk radio program. And, and so when, when I had time, I would go there. And we, you know, it's just kind of an organic, what nothing um, that was just kind of super planned, but it's just like, you know, when, when the rubble fell, we were the ones uh, standing and bonding with each other to, to fight against misinformation, which started for the most part with the misinformation about the, the, the Hebrew Israelite stuff. And, you know, as I can see, even with this 20 for 20, a lot of the scholars that have been interviewed is, is still fighting that fight about the misinformation from, from black Hebrew Israelites <laughs> uh, and, and the, the, the poison of ignorance, you know, into the society. So that's essentially, and just kind of, kind of grew from there. So when we, 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 see individuals who have that zeal uh, for knowledge, 
and and adheres to a a strong methodology and thinks critically or whatnot, we put them through the fire, and you know uh, they they become they come on board, and you know we kind of grow uh, like that. So I uh, hope I answered the question. All right. Um... Smash, you know what? Let me get Naya in here. Go ahead. You know what? Let's smash. Go ahead, smash. Peace, peace. Do my mic sound clear? Yeah, you good. Yeah. You good. Peace to the squad. How y'all doing? It's been a while since I've seen a lot of y'all faces like this. I hope everyone's well. But, I mean, I don't know what Asar was talking about. I was the first and only one had to walk through the fire. Everybody else just, everybody else just got slapped on the squad so easy. They put me through, like, a three-week series debate. You know, let's make sure he's serious. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just joking. But, honestly, everything he said was right on point. And one of those first fires they lit, I had to hop on them coals and make it through the other side. Uh, you know, I think... I was drawn, I mean, believe it or not, I was following a lot of these people, uh, Asar and other people publicly on other forums for years, even all the way back to the blog talk days, just like he's talking about. But I didn't feel qualified to dialogue with people. You know what I'm saying? So I just stayed quiet for a few years until I started hearing stuff that was wrong to me. Then I was like, okay, I'm at the level now where I'm hearing stuff that I know better than that. Now I could call into the show, but the show again was, it was just like uh, the brother mentioned, it was before the Amira Squad show or the destruction of the Black Civilization show. It was actually that Nikki Love show where I started first getting the heart to call in. And, uh, you know, it was cool. And I don't know, I, I think I learned a lot dealing with... Uh, trying to live up to the standard of the Amara squad. I know I'm a black man, so I can do anything it takes. I got the propensity. Ain't nobody going to outwit me. I've been doing that for the longest. But I've learned how to execute other things that I didn't know. One, I mean, obviously one of our catchphrases is proper methodology. But I had not even heard nobody put any type of emphasis on that before dealing with the Amara squad. And so taking that and then applying that the other fields of my life, you know what I'm saying, helped me out a lot. Sister Naya, hey, tell everybody you're not here just for your looks, okay? <laughs> please, please emphasize that, please. Whatever. Um, of course, people know that I'm here because my heart is here and I want to um, have an opportunity to build with everyone. I think how I got involved um, with the Amara squad is just really having an interest in racial stuff like racial identity, biology, evolution. Um, and I got a chance to talk to Unc and brother Unc was passionate <laughs> about evolution. And, you know, he did put me through a test, you know, for months and months, he sent me all type of articles. But I think that, you know, the real reason I'm here is because I like to argue like Unc. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I was, you know, he kind of put me out there to argue. And next thing I know, I was just arguing with everyone. So, but my background is, um, until I started one day, told me to stop arguing so much and <laughs> learn how to read and hear what people are saying. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm here because I have an interest in like black psychology. And when I, when I started to like um, smash, like when I started to like listen to a lot of, um, what the Amara squad had to say, Dr. Ma'ad, Asar, Sinjeti, 
Ujawu. I mean, just the level of detail um, that they bring to the conversation is something that I aspire um, to do. So I just wanted to be a student and learn as much as possible um, so I can be able to be articulate and tell a story and, in a way that brings, you know, a narrative for Black people to share. So I'm all into Black psychology and just really creating those narratives that help us to develop a collective consciousness. And for Amara Squad, it has helped me to develop the discipline to be able to do that. That's what's up. Let me get um, Sister Dr. Mayat, the movie lady, man, the movie lady. Come on up, man, you up. You funny, the movie lady. You funny, Garfield. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but peace and love, peace and love to the panel, peace and love to everyone um, in the chat. Peace and love to you, brother Garfield. When I was listening to everyone's story, I couldn't help but to think um, that the the common thread was the Black Hebrew Israelites, you know, battling the misinformation um, that was being disseminated by the Black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, in 2014, uh, one of my little cousins, he used to come over, come over my place a lot. And um, he loved Black News 102. Oh, my goodness. He loved Black News 102. So he came to my place. He said, cuz, you got to watch this, this, this platform called Black News 102. So he would come over. And I mean, literally like two to two, two to three days out of the week, he would come over and uh, he would bring a couple of my other cousins and he would turn on Black News 102 and we would sit and we would listen to, you know, the discussions that, um, you know, Sinetta was having at that time. So, you you know, at that time you had your polites on there and he was battling the Hebrew Israelites. And, and so um, I would listen, you know, I, I was listening. I can't lie. I got addicted. I got hooked. And so even when my cousin wasn't there, I found myself going on to Black News 102 listening. And I remember, and I'm not going to say his name, but there was a Hebrew Israelite who um, he was a guest on Sinetta's show. And um, the misinformation was just terrible. And I couldn't take it anymore. And so I remember, I don't know if it, at that time Sinetta was dropping like a telephone number or a link to get on, but I remember getting on and going at him. And I actually called in a few times and, and went at that, that particular Hebrew Israelite. And so it got to the point where it was a brother named Courtney that used to be on the platform. Courtney said, we need to set up a debate uh, between you and this particular Hebrew Israelite. And we can do this thing, we can do this debate in Atlanta. He said, but before the debate, he said, I wanna introduce you to a brother. And he said, I'll introduce the brother Ankh West or brother Ankh. And um, I remember he called uh, brother Ankh on a three-way. And um, brother Ankh, I thought you were very arrogant when I first met you, by the way. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you were very arrogant when I met you. <laughs> and oh. um, he introduced me to brother Ankh. And, um, and brother Ankh and I connected. You know, uh, you know, I found out that he was from Baltimore and where he grew up. And... Um, he was trying to help me out with the debate. I'm talking to him about stuff I'm looking up and he's sharing things with me and we going back and forth. And so I remember June of 2014, I drove down to Atlanta with my family and Aunt, he met us down there. Um, and um, I drove down there, I think on, what was it like the day before the debate? Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. yep, the day before the debate, 
hung out with Brother Onk. And then I believe that Saturday we had the debate. And um, what was the other Hebrew? Uh, not the Hebrew that I was battling, but the brother that was hosting it. What was his name, brother? Yasharel. Nah, Yes, yes, yes. He was the person that kind of put everything together. Courtney, him and Courtney. And um, I never forget, I got on the stage and that Hebrew Israelite, he's running his mouth. And then I Onk said something to me and I got mad and I went up there and gave him my all. And I remember on that night, I got a standing ovation. I remember From the that. Hebrews. Yeah, they stood up. They stood up. And, and then remember, you know, that somebody got mad. You remember that at the night? <laughs> somebody got mad. But um, and then after that, you know, I had more conversations with Brother Onk. And he was like, look, you know, I want you to join the squad, you know, join the squad. And he told me what the squad was about. And and what I loved about the squad is the the passion and their objective to, um, to combat misinformation. And, and I love what Ankh said at the beginning of the discussion. He said, look, he said, we study the works of all people. Um, even Dr. Amos Wilson in, in many of his lectures said, you gotta study the work of all people or else you're gonna have a limited, a limited perspective. And so, you know, he said, we're gonna battle, we're gonna combat misinformation and we're gonna push scientific literacy. And um, for those who don't know, I'm a professor at the School of Engineering at Morgan State University. I've been studying engineering since 1999. I started teaching engineering uh, professionally in 20, 2017. And um, I'm currently in the process of getting certified to work on, um, to represent my university um, during um, virtual exchange um, projects and also going over, we have a partnership now with the University of Ghana. So hopefully once the pandemic is over, um, I'll be going over there to teach uh, maybe for a semester or two in, in Ghana. And so, you know, I have a passion for, um, for teaching, for teaching engineering concepts and principles and also developing um, software, you know, through the use of um, artificial intelligence techniques um, that will facilitate uh, the learning of engineering concepts and principles. So I digress. I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic. I feel like I've, I've talked enough. <laughs> yeah um so moving forward and, and by the way dr Maya, when i said the movie lady i wasn't trying to downplay the fact that you made great movies i want to say that you have inspired me and you've inspired thousands of people man based off of those movies and everything and and the fact that the matter is you're a you're a doctor i don't think you realize how inspirational inspirational it is for somebody to see a black woman speaking the way you are and you follow methodology and over the years, people look at what you have done. You've left an imprint on many people's lives, courtesy of you being on the Amira Squad channel, your own channel or on Sonnetta. So just keep that in mind. You are special. All right. Very now special. I now I appreciate your words, uh, Brother Garfield. Um, one of the things that everybody has talked about since we've been on is methodology. And I noticed when I'm doing my interviews with the 20 for 20 and all these scholars, you know what they do? And, and Asar is very good at this too. You'll be talking about an issue and you're not an expert in the issue. So you don't try to put yourself out there to act like, hey, I know everything. That's not my field of study, ladies and gentlemen, but I could refer you to who you need to read or whatever. And I think a lot of folks don't understand that if you don't know something, you just don't talk. There's sometimes to say, hey, I don't know. I don't know is, is an option. What do you guys think about that? 
because everybody's running around like they know everything in this community. You know, Garfield, when people shout out and said, I don't know. Garfield, I said this years ago, brother Ankh can tell you that I've said it. Um, when I was matriculating uh, through the graduate program, when I was getting my DN at the School of Engineering, I remember our professors used to tell us that. Like, if you don't know, it's okay to say you don't know. Just say, hey, I don't know, but give me some time to figure it out. Um, it wasn't until I came into this community, and Ankh and I laugh a lot about this. He said, when you came into the community, they were throwing eggs at you. You know, <laughs> he said they were throwing <laughs> eggs at you. But, you know, I noticed that it was, um, you know, just a lot of folks who wanted to just masquerade as experts in everything. You know, people were just expert. They were scientists. When I came to conscious community, folks were scientists. They were uh, priests. Um, they were astrophysicists. They were, mm -hmm. I mean, anything that, you know, I mean, anything literally that they, I don't know. I, I mean, they were claiming to but be a lot of At the same time, you got to, you got to put that in there. Yeah. At the same so they time. say, well, they were astrophysicists, priests, yes, medical priest, doctors, medical doctors, engineer, yep. engineers, historians, don't leave exactly. that out, historians, you know, linguists, they was linguists and historians. I mean, they were all of the above. And I never heard of that because with my training, you know, they say, if you don't know something, you just don't know it. You say, this is out of the scope of my research or beyond the scope of my field, you know, and, and that's what you say. But I just noticed in this community, you know, people just didn't want to admit uh, if they didn't know anything. But I, I know that Naya can speak on that because I'm pretty sure that's due to, to ego. And I'm pretty sure she can speak to to why, you know, as to why these people, you know, can't admit when they don't know anything. But I think that it has a lot to do with uh, the overinflated egos um, in the community. But I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic to Naya because I'm pretty sure she could break that, break that down. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting point, Dr. Ma, because one of, one of the methodologies that I learned by working with Amara Squad was Afrocentricity. And, um, in the study of Afrocentricity, you find that there's levels to consciousness. And what happened in the conscious community is that it, it's kind of a subgroup of like the hip hop community, and Asar says this a lot, it's a subgroup of African-American group. And, and so in the group, you had the founders, which was like Bobby Hemmick and Delbert Blair and Bill Valentine and the way in which they went about information, you saw people really doing it that way without really the knowledge, the credentials, the study, um, um, the discipline. They just kind of presented information based on kind of out of nowhere. And it wasn't based on sound methodology and practices. And so what you do is you have, what you see is a lot of people coming into the conscious community on the very first level of consciousness, just which is awareness of who I am. Um, I mean, there's black people, there's white people, and I feel different. And then from there, they're trying to teach when they're not ready. And you know, in African cultures, you have to matriculate through the process. You have to, you have to learn, you have to study, you have to go to school, you have to learn under an elder. So here in a conscious community, because there's really no, no um, rules, you see a lot of people uh, moving forward before they really, really are ready to do so. So that's what I see the most. That's how I like look at it. I'm, I'm like, Golfy, I wish you had like a sound effect when she said um, people want to teach 
when they're not ready. Just go boom. Woo! I mean, I'm, woo! That's, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to go ahead and move my mic. <laughs> Out of the teachers in this this cup this subculture of the conscious community, it's a, it's a subculture of hip hop culture of African American culture, and so in that you see the foundation of people who we would say taught kind of pseudoscience, um, you know, where their their um, their results can't necessarily be verified, and we can't really reproduce what Bobby Hemet did or what Val Phil Valentine is saying. But people are taking that type of scholarship and using it as if you know it, it's the standard when in fact it's not. So that's what Amara Squad does. You know, we try to create a standard. I would I would add and and kind of narrow it down a little bit more in that the what we're calling the conscious community has kind of evolved from two different paths. There is what we call the Independent African Academy. And the Independent African Academy is a group of scholars and, and study groups and, and independent schools that emerged right after slavery that that were concerned, of course, with just general education, but also the, the study of Black history and culture. So your Arthur Schoenbergs come out of that, your, um, your John Henry Clarks come out of that, um, that tradition, you know, even, even, and even people who went and got degrees, your John G. Jacksons, your Leo uh, S. Hansberry's, your uh, just these groups of individuals, because it was a it was always a connection between the community, which we in modern times call the community, and the the academy. And so, for those who couldn't go to the academy and get access to those books and things, those people from the academy would come and present lessons and, and facilitate study groups and things of that nature. Then, of course, you have the religious community and tradition. And it's from there that even the, the modern trajectory has, has emerged from. So you notice, as Dr. Mahat said, for example, one thread that connects many of us is these debates with the Hebrew Israelites. They're, they're part of that religious philosophical community that doesn't have to adhere to rigorous methodologies and things of that nature because it's about what you intuit, what you can get from divine revelation. And then that is what's good enough to present information to the community. And so it wasn't just them, you gotta, as, as you stated, you know, there's the hip hop community, but those that was in the hip hop community, again, is coming from the religious community. The Nation of Islam, 5% uh, uh, community and, and rhetoric. So a lot of that, you know, uh, peace of the gods, nurse, and you know, all of that stuff that was real kind of prevalent in the nineties. And, you know, these these folks kind of grew up, became people of the, of the conscious community. So you're getting a lot of that rhetoric. Um, 
and, and this has to be put into the context. And because in these religious communities, they don't have to prove things. Evidence is something that, you know, and, and even when you look into these religious texts, you know, when you start talking about science and evidence and, and things of this nature, this is anti what they're about because it's about faith. It's about revelations and being special and stuff to this nature. So you you find all of that, you know, even if it's African folks. And so I just don't want to pick on Hebrews. And so you got people from the Ifa community and, and other African communities like the like the Akan who, you know, you know, they'll start talking about that this is the white man science, that, you know, all we have to do is intuit and pray to the ancestors and and all this other kind. So all this mix. So you got the 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 what we call the conscious community is these really just this this nexus of independent uh, community-based education from when, from the likes from which the Dr. Naeem Akbar's, the um, the John G. Jacksons, the John Henry Clark's, the you know um, you know whoever we can name from that from that eighties you know early nineties uh, uh, community of scholars. And then what happened was, is that they got older. Some started dying off. So there was a gap in the community. You, there was, there's not many people you can go to to get these lectures about, you know, Kemet and Africa and, and black psychology and, and things of this nature, you know, cause you know, Asa Hilliard was getting, getting old. He wasn't traveling as much. And Dr. Uh, Teofalo Benga went back to, to, to Africa and in things of this nature. And so what that did is that left the uh, a gap and then you see all the religious and spiritual folks come in and because they were tapping into something that the other scholars weren't. And so they were very academic in what they were presenting, but these people, you know, you know, we have a spiritual component to us. We want to know and see ourselves in, 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 in terms of our relationship to spirit. So then when they start talking this high metaphysical science, you know, the, the whole metaphysics community came in, that's your Phil Valentine's, your, your, your Blair's and, 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 and others who, who, who set it off. And so it was just like a perfect storm of the, the standard dying off and getting old and not replacing themselves and then technology, because, you know, everybody got video cameras and they're making these tapes and they circulate and then comes the 2000s and 2005s and 6s. And now we got YouTube and now everybody with a phone can say anything and, and put it on to the, um, to the Internet. So we emerge essentially coming from that independent African academy, because my first training is even though I minored in African and African-American studies is in computer information systems, uh, continuing my education now in computer science. And so um, it's, it's in the sciences in, in that area. Um, but of course I grew up in that independent academy going to those, to those lectures with these, you know, these big names. So I know what the standard is. I know what the expectation is going to conferences and stuff of that nature. And so I would bring that on my show. That's why I interview all those scholars so I can kind of bring that essence back of having 
you know, people who have dedicated years of their lives seriously to a particular subject and converse about it. Of course, because I don't know everything, let them talk uh, about it. I just ask the questions. And so it, it is from that, of course, that the Hebrews started, you know, getting on social media and all kinds of stuff. And it's just like, you know, no, we, we got to do something about this. And so that's when, you know, we, we started uh, combating it really, really strong. And, and trying to bring these concepts, like, you know, methodology. Like I said, I don't know on a program once and got cussed out. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, hey, where you at, Smash? I'm right, I'm right here. Hold on. I'm right here. Hey, you, Smash, so, so what's hold up with that? Hold on. Um, it, with Smash, though, you had a dialogue the other day, right? With a brother about the Medjunetta. Nah, man, I'm great. Come on, Garfield. Hold on, Garfield. Okay. Wait, wait, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. This hey, was smash. going into the same I don't know thing, but go ahead, though. Now, hold on for a minute. Hey, no, nah, go, ahead. Go, go ahead, Garfield. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's a nasty word. I don't know. It, it, seems, it seems like you're going back and forth with someone, and if they just had said, I don't know, the conversation wouldn't have been that long. <laughs> You know, if, instead of being 45 to an hour and a half, it could have been a five-minute conversation. Somebody just said, hey, you know what? I don't know, Smash. I don't know. You talking about on sign at the TV? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting uh, build. I think we was talking with a few Hebrew brothers. Uh, I don't, a lot of us get caught in that trap instead of, I seen when he got caught in that trap too. I really recommend that a Aside from all the studying we do, we should play a little bit of chess because uh, most of these debates are just chess matches too, but with your information. And I've seen when the brothers should have just relented. We were talking about the uh, Murray Patah Stella and the the so-called translation of the word Israel on that Stella. And it just didn't go well, but yeah. I mean, I, not not to say that he didn't prove a world of knowledge and, you know, and show me some things that once he keep on studying, eventually you see the light. That's why I'm happy that uh, certain people are dabbling into the metal nature or what have you. But yeah, what, what about that particular uh, situation caught your attention? Just the, just the fact that when you, the, um, the symbol of the, um, the S, the S, the S sound, and you basically, well, you know me, I don't know Medinetta, so if I say something wrong, just check me right away. I'm a I don't know guy right now, all right? Um, but that, that S symbol, when you broke it down that it, in, in previous, on the same stele, it had a, a meaning that he never looked oh, into. Man. Right, so he was like, oh, it straight mean L, S is L in this language, or R is L, or some, something to that effect. Well, let's go into that for a little bit. And uh, Asara be the one who can really basically back up a lot of what I'm saying. If anyone knows the story of the quote-unquote Mur and Patah Stella, it was Pharaoh Mur and Patah. I think he lived about 12. From He ran from like 12, 15 to maybe, I don't know, 12, 15 to something, but it started around that time period, maybe the 1203. But uh, and when Mur, and, during Mur and Patah's reign, he was supposedly, well, again, Estelle is written after you're dead a lot of the time, or, you know, towards the end of all of your feats. So the feats of your life 
are generally written on certain these type of commemoration stella, stellas or what have you. And on the Meripatah stella, biblical archaeologists like to propose that there's a term, Israel, I need some water, a term Israel that was used on the stella. And and but but it's it's very funny when you look at uh biblical archaeology is one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Biblical archaeology is one thing, but uh I don't know if they actually exam I mean obviously if we don't know it was Flinders Petrie, he had his man, his homeboy do the first translation of it and they were very much concerned i don't think biblical archaeology was a thing at the time but they was very much concerned with proving that uh this actually did say israel and so one of the anomalies that happened that i was able to point out is we deal with long words a lot in uh in the metal nature and we start to learn how to identify them by the way that they're written, by the, the use of certain, uh, uh, you know, ideograms or what have you, the use of certain uh, syllables, particularly the uh, interchanging R and L. And something, if you just like a neophyte getting into this, I don't excuse me, I just was sitting in here just doing my thing. But if you're a neophyte getting into it, you might not know so much about the differences in how metal netter was, was used from different time periods. And so something that the brother tried to point out is that the R at the end of the term, it says something like Israel arts in their translation, but they say this R shifts to an L. But we had another long word inside of the same on the same stele, which was Shalom. And if we notice, Shalom has an L in it too. And it's very interesting what we find out is that whoever scribed this pen either was an amateur scribe or even didn't do things right, or a lot of what we point out didn't follow traditional uh, rules of metal nature because in the word Shalom, which is Sharma in metal nature, uh, they used an R without a stroke under it. And then in the same, in a, in a similar term with where they use the same icon or ideogram or uh, phonogram, excuse me, they did not, they wrote it in the same, uh, they wrote it in ways that contradicts what all of his sources, sources all the way back to Flinders Petrie suggest. They suggested that this should be changed to an L because of the way that Egyptians used long words. And this is on line 27 of the Murray and Patasella. But what I'm trying to bring forward and what I brought forward was for him was on line 25, the word Shalom is used and everything Flinders Petrie and all of his sources said about that is contradicted by the actual writing of the scribe. So I don't want to say the scribe made errors. I should say the uh, people after him who tried to detail what was going on with that Stella, Stella translators, made. Translators, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Smash, me, me, hey, Smash, you remember though the conversation though, and that's what I was going to say earlier that um, uh, basically when we did a show, we actually did a show on it, and, and, and the key detail was when Peachy chalked it off and how that could have possibly been a mistake, right? And I see you sent the article, right? Mm -hmm. And 
people don't even go that deep into it where you look at the bird, which bird was it, right? When you look at the stellar itself, like, man, that's not even what it's supposed to be. It's just weird how they kind of yeah. did that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, one thing we learned, again, and I'll let somebody else talk about this, but it's called parsing. And parsing is, I mean, I had to learn this. I only learned it with Metal Natural. I didn't even know nothing about it in English. But it's basically figuring out, to me, or, and Asar will probably explain better, it's figuring out where the words, <laughs> what the words are, which consonants belong to which words in a script that is ran together. You see what I mean? Because if we use all vowels and we don't take no spaces, it's upon the reader to know how to parse these certain uh, sounds and phrases or what have you, and, and, and words. And so in the parsing of that document, every facsimile that we read is parsed so that this word, this so-called word that says Israel stands alone without, uh, without, the leading words that could be interpreted interpreted to let us know what that means. For instance, if you look at uh, Petrie's facsimile of it, if you look at any facts, it doesn't go how it's, it's written on the Stella, and that's uh, kind of peculiar to me. Yeah, chalk, yeah. what about when they chalk it out? <laughs> Don't forget the chalk. Let me see. You was gonna say something, Saul? No, I was just going to say that this is one of the reasons why um, Jacob Carruthers, uh, another individual, part of that independent African academy, uh, even though he was in the academy, him and Dr. Riketi Amin were, and Dr. Milana Karanga, were kind of really the first to really kind of learn Metternetcher uh, seriously, in in the 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 Afrocentric movement, and to teach, and then a little bit later on, Obinga came. Even though Dr. Riketty Amin, you know, she went to the University of Chicago uh, and and learned, you know, at the Oriental Institute, um, but she also was an understudy of Diop himself, and of course Obinga. And so, uh, you know, these scholars really put the impression on that we need to learn the metanature for ourselves because when we rely solely on these European translators, they can get one over on us and we not know. So the, the whole point of studying the metanature is, well, not the whole point, but a major aspect for studying the metanature is so that we can address the text with no middleman. That, you know, we can go back in and say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Where are you getting that from? You know, I look directly at the primary source and this is what we see. And so they have to have a different dialogue with you if you can read the script. But as long as you have to rely solely on others to give you the interpretation of these certain ancient texts and things of that nature. You, you find yourself consistently in, in a polystemo, an epistemological trap that is, that is hard to get out of. And so that's why I like the importance of what um, Brother Smash is, is, is saying, 
it, you know, needs to be re reemphasized. You know, we, we go to the direct source and we examine it and we make our critiques from there. Mm -hmm. Let me, I'm gonna show this and I want, uh, I want Dr. Jumpin' here. Well, now you watch this. So when we put this up here, right? And this is the document you sent me because we did a show on it and we absolutely talked about it. And, and it's like, we did it so long ago. So if you look at the, if you look at it right here, it says the red contour of the engraving of the hieroglyphics suggests that, of, suggests that of an owl, A-E the letter M and not the letter A-A. So if we click it, right? Here we go. So this is what they rendered it as, right? Okay, but when you do it, it really, it really was this. So you remember the conversation we had over this. So why, why, why use the AA instead of the M? The AA going render it where they got the Israel, right? Am I correct? Yeah. But it's really the M if you look at it. The, the point is, is that you have allowed somebody else to, to pass judgment on what it could be, right? When you actually look at it. And I was not, I wouldn't, I don't want to interrupt, but I wouldn't say, I would say it's inconclusive. And we're mm -hmm. illustrating how methodology matters because we see their method is to line it up with what it says in the Bible. But if we take a look at, if you didn't have the outline on top of that piece of grain or basalt right there, would you be able to determine whether this was an A or M? And so that is only left up to the scrutiny of Petrie and his homeboy who translated it. Fact. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point. I, and that's the point that I want to make. And that's the difference between just diving out there on your religious beliefs and actually, you know, kind of having enough mindset to look at all options. Right. So, so it's really that can I ask you to pull that document back up while I say a few things? If you can launch, I mean, then maybe we can let, I mean, you said Sister Nye speak. I just want to bring this to a close right. real quick. Okay, because there's some other things we need to point out since we are uh, talking about that. We were I talking agree. about the use of the throw stick. Uh, could you go up to the point? Uh, there's a right. section where he's pointing out the uses of the throw sticks in this document. And then maybe we should cite uh, who, who this is written by a guy That's named good. David. You uh, uh, Go down, please. All right. You're going to see. Page uh, 27. Yeah. Yeah, see, it, it turns into a facsimile part where he like reproduced it. But okay. I, 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 there it is. There it is. Now, maybe if we can make the screen bigger, I want to point out something I noticed and something he also pointed out here. And it should be noted for the Hebrews. Forget his translations, because I don't want to deal with that. Let's just deal with the uh, what he has inside of boxes. You see a throw stick, and under it, it is a symbol for foreign land, correct? Yeah, yeah. So on the, on the top line, they are talking about they conquered this land. Then on the next line, they say they conquered this land. But notice the use of the throw stick when it comes around the term that is supposedly supposed to mean Israel. It does not have a throw stick over the land. A throw stick over the land means a foreign land. A throw stick in front of some people means some people we don't know, some foreigners. And so that's clearly how it's used. And I can show you in most instances of foreigners or Shashu or Bedouin or whatever they want to call them, this is how the throw stick is used. So let's go to existing as is R I R. You see that? The people. Now you see that throw stick 
in front of the people who are inside of a square, it is not over a land. You see what I mean? Right there, yeah. right there. Hold on. And so, so, so at this, yeah, this, those people is who they talking about. And those yeah. people are foreigners. And that's all that really says, regardless of what the name is, we clearly can read. So, and we can see the distinction between the use of the a throw stick when it's used in front of some people or when it's used over a land. You see what I'm saying? And so, so they basically didn't even have no land at that point as he would have put it over a land like we squashed them people of Israel too. But it, yeah. it, it, that, that is what it says. But Johan had a land because it's a throw stick over mountains. Their throw stick is just in front of nomads, and 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 if you always find, go look at uh in any uh hieroglyphic dictionary, or even you can use a text corpus and see how many times a throw stick was used in front of foreigners. It's always gonna mean something like some nomads, basically. And I'll leave that there. Yeah, and then it go it go it lines up with the archaeology, Bronze Age, right? And so we, an Iron Age, and we know what they was doing. They was just hill people. It wasn't, it wasn't only nothing. They was like caught in between. You know what I'm saying? It, so it wasn't, they didn't have that. So where you at, Doc? Because I know you said you had a time limit on this, and we about over that. Where you at? I don't know if you gone. No, I didn't go anywhere. The conversation got really interesting mm -hmm. when you all started kind of going back and forth. You know, usually I would have been asleep, but yeah. <laughs> the conversation got very, very interesting. And I had no idea that this this discussion was going on. And so my question, Ankh, is Smash, when you all were on, was this on the, did the, did the discussion take place on the Dagger Squad's platform? It was on, it was on Sarnetta's. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And is this, this a recent discussion or? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I'm just asking because I wanna I wanna look it up and, and, and check out what you oh, what I think it's called Jonathan and Zion or something, but we beat the brakes off like Zion and the apostle. Oh, peace to Zion and the apostle. You know, that's just our vernacular. We beat the brakes off, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't, don't beat the blade brakes off polite too with the five G nonsense. He he played that card. Yeah. Oh it, so, messed so, up oh. the vaccine and, and nanotechnology yes, started okay, with robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, did all that. I'm not. So I'm not was that? It was that. it was that show because you all were revisiting the the Kemet on trial, and yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and then it kind of turned into a whole bunch of other stuff. It was really out <laughs> joint. We was it was really out joint because they kind of uh, wish it, it was Zion. No, it was who, who was it, man? You don't what, remember? Oh, was that guy Apostle first? No, no, before yeah. that because we was on there just to kind of respond. To the Hebrews trying to act like they got with us at the Kemen on trial, which they didn't. Oh yeah, well that that's done. oh yeah, that's right. Hashar, Hashar. And started with Hashar and Daniela. Peace Daniel. to y'all too. It started yeah, with them saying that we didn't we didn't respond to their claims, but y'all know about that, man. That's silly. And really, to keep it real, I mean, we ain't the one to respond to those claims. Some of them claims are just childish and a waste of right. our time. And, right. and we only had to pick, like, okay, what would the community benefit from if we, since we're here arguing with them, we only go respond to the claims that matter. So, yeah, that's right. how that happened. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it was, like, a perfect thing to respond to because it brings into focus, like, cognitive biases, <laughs> you know, and how, like, your perceptions can be influenced by your belief systems and you can practically see anything that you want to see and that's why you need methodology to help 
weed out your biases. So that was a perfect mm-hmm. thing to respond to. That's yeah, that's the major uh, difference between those who, and, and I'm speaking ideally, because just because someone has uh, gotten a degree and publishes something doesn't necessarily mean at all times they, they follow this. So I'm speaking ideally. That, but the, the difference between what you see in the academy and what passes off as knowledge in this kind of social media uh, open universe is that there is a caring concern for answering before someone asks, you know, um, well, what about this? In other words, they're looking for, when, when we're doing research, we're looking for ways in which we can be wrong. And we want to address that prior to you reading it. And that is not the care and concern with the, uh, for lack of a better term, the conscious community. They're not looking for ways in which they can be wrong. Um, they just, as I said before, it's, it's intuitive. Whatever's in their spirit, they, they, they just go with it. What's in their first mind. And, you know, in the academy, you don't go with your first mind. You can go with your first mind in terms of experimentation, but you have to go through that experimentation process so that, you know, you know that, you was you was correct in the direction in which you were initially going. Otherwise, you know, uh, you you again. It, I, I like using that that word in a, an epistemological trap, and, and you don't want to get into uh, too many of those. And so the only way that you can really do that is if you you follow some kind of scientific method. And I know depending on the field, certain certain methodologies are more productive than others. But the, but the, the objective is to assume that you're wrong first. And then, you know, go into your, your, your research. You always assume you're wrong. So, so you know, so that when, when people are critiquing you, like, you know, this is another thing in the academy you know from the get-go that as soon as you put this out, people are going to try to tear down your argument. It's just part of the culture is to be expected. That's their job. But people take it personally in the conscious community when you critique their works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want to fight. <laughs> they think you don't like them as a person. It's yeah. something, you know, like, like it's, you know, these things have to be considered as well. I'll end there. Hey, see, that's the joke. That's the great joke. And that's why they kicked us out the conscious community. Because <laughs> we was attacking the elders. And I was thinking to myself, I sure as hell ain't coming to this to sit back and listen to a bunch of old people mess up stuff. Like, that wasn't my thing. I could have did that in Baltimore, Maryland, and reigned supreme. But when I decided to change my life over, I sure as hell won't get back into the same trap. So I felt like, for me, where I came from, the reason you respected an older guy 
because he gave you relevant information that could help you make it in Baltimore, Maryland. And when that guy was unable to do that and he was putting you in all types of trick bags, we never respected him as an elder. We called him a dope thing or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you was older guy and you and you got high, but you always brought relevant information for our survival building in Baltimore, Maryland, we never addressed you as being a dope fiend. We was like, man, that's that's the OG right there. And it didn't matter what he did, whether he got high or not, but he always brought relevant information. He always brought something to the table that could help us make sure we were straight. So I brought that same mentality over here. It didn't matter if you was Dr. Ben Diops, uh, uh, um, Got the feel good Valentine, Delbert Blair, uh, Shamaz, uh, all of them. It didn't matter to me now. People around me maybe felt a, a, a different way. And for DC, I don't leave them out. So those guys, those people for me, as I put everybody through the strainer, James Smalls, right? I started to realize who was the elders and who was just fronting. And people got mad when I said it. Oh, you personal? No, I'm just saying, man, an all mass are not African, dog. Like, what you want me to do? Like, what you want me to say? Like, no, that's not, that. that's not, I'm, I'm around Smash. I'm around a saw. You know what I'm saying, Wuja? I'm, 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 I'm listening. I'm seeing it. I'm reading. And I ain't never seen Egyptians do that. And so I know me, I, I, I did a thing. I say, well, I'm going I'm to invent something, real black atheism. And so I know damn well what I invented. But I never said that the ancient black Africans had something called real black atheism. I never did that. So when I heard other people trying to make it seem like they came up with something that it really wasn't and something that they had made up, I wasn't mad that they made it up. I was mad that they wasn't willing to tell the people that they actually made it up. All religions are made up. All systems are made up by human beings. So I think that's kind of dope to make up uh, comedictology or whatever you want to say and, 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 and draw strength from Africa. And I, I think that's dope. I think the whacked out part is when you lie and act like it was something that was really going on. Like that's the that's the thing that's not right. And so when I stepped in the community, you know, I'm saying like, I, I ain't look, I mean, hell, we ain't fighting around here. We just putting out the information. So for me, an elder's a person that can stand strong as he get older and willing to say when he's wrong. I'm willing to say, I just don't know. Not knock down the younger generation coming up with a whole bunch of played out information that everybody can clearly see that is wrong. So for me, I always say, yo, if I'm start doing that, just get me out the game, man. Don't have me running around here looking like that because I always want to be an elder. And for me, an elder is a person that recognizes when they're wrong, recognize when that next generation is ready, let them do what they do. Stay relevant by staying up on the damn information. I just want to kind of put that out there. Just that simple. No. Oh, okay. All right. Let me ask you, for the next year to two years, where do you guys see yourself as a group, Amin Ra Squad, and what, what are you guys working on right now, presently? No limit is an army. It is yet and even. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> oh, where I see ourselves as a group? Um, a, a, a team that can come together at any moment. I know right now everybody working on their own thing. I mean, that's obvious. And I, I kind of, I, I love that. But but when the back signal go out, God damn it, we coming. So we mm -hmm. ain't went nowhere, but, you know, people done got married. Um, Dr. Miyazaki stay traveling to Africa. I saw bringing back them dope interviews with people you never heard before. You be like, what the hell is that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Naya, she, she got a part. I don't know if you still got that podcast, Naya. You know, Naya has her own private practice. 
what I'm saying? You know, Smash Rockwell, he he like still one of my favorite rappers. I give you a quick story. So I was like, okay, Smash Rockwells and Jonathan Owens, and we doing it on the squad. And one day I just looked down on my floor and I had some old CD, some CDs, right? And I picked up one. I said, that's fuck. I said, that's that's goddamn Jonathan. He never told us that he was from the high road crew. He like hid that. I was like, really, dog? I call, I say, dog. Really, yo? <laughs> hey, Unk, hey, Unk, hey, Unk, I got I got a second that you right. He never ever said that he was from the hieroglyphics. Never. So my cousin, my cousin, who you know, I got family in um, Oakland, California, and so my cousin, when um, I flew out there because I remember Smash, he, he was hosting this event, and um, I was out there. I came out to speak with uh, Zaza Ali at the time, and uh, mm-hmm. my cousin, when she saw him. I mean, she jumped up and down. You know who that is? You know who that is? You know who you rolling with? And I was like, what you talking about? Oh. Like, like, that's Smash. That's Jonathan. Like, what you talking about? You know? She's like, that's hieroglyphics. They have Hyro Day, you know, every year. And I think, um, Brother Smash, is it in September? You have Hyro Day? Yeah, we have Hyro Day every Labor Day. That's yeah. the event I was I started that event. I was the executive director of it. But I'll let you keep going. Yeah, so she was like, you know, they had the hieroglyph. I'm like, what? And then I looked on YouTube. Unk, I went back to a video. Sure enough, Smash is in the video. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, wow. 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 <laughs> well, you know what? If I would have came in talking about hip hop, that would have been another reason for uh, Sar and everybody who was beating me up to discredit me. <laughs> like, you're, you're just a rapper. You don't know what you're talking about. So I was like, let me not even tell nobody that because that's going to really not be good. Yeah, that's... So anyway, man, the point but is... I wanted to, like, draw, like, add to what Uncle was saying about where um, do we see the Amaran squad. I think that the purpose of research is really to solve a problem. And when you look at the Amaran squad, um, kind of where we are is that we understand that in order to um, impact Black people, we have to form a solid institution mm-hmm. that could withstand, you know, our legacy. So when, you know, when when people leave, you know, we need an institution. And I think that that's where we are right now. It's like, we have to be able to build an institution, you know, aside from just the individual stuff, we need institutions. I think that Asara is doing a great job with what he's doing, with building something. We need institutions because that's the only way that we can really sustain the progress. So we do all this research, we talk about what we we need, but at the end of the day, we need an institution to be able to withstand and to carry on the legacy of the Amaran squad once everyone is gone doing their own thing. Well, we got one coming. I ain't gonna say them dot. I got the phone from the I was like, look, look, I, look, I was I was smiling on I said I'm not gonna make it. I said I'm not gonna make the announcement yet. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they never be able to beat us. No, yeah, brick brick and brick and mortar is coming in, yeah. in probably another another month. So yeah. we'll be making a, a serious announcement in an, in another month. Another mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Why they oh, playing? Yeah. Why they out playing? So, so like Nye said, whenever a problem r- arises, that's when the squad come, the meta nature, the, the evolution. Uh, I mean, me and Asad have been up on stage looking at him saying, what in the hell is they talking about over there? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. Yeah, so I don't know if this carrier thing is another problem. 
I'm gonna put it on the screen. I'm not sure. Um, I think I think Assal might find some problem with it. I, I think Jabari got what he was supposed to get out of this. Um, uh, and I think I think uh, Garfield for actually bringing Carrier on, and um, I think it's it's dope. And so Jabari gonna get a chance to um, he had to deal with this. This is a problem. Uh oh. Uh oh. Peace, peace, yeah. peace. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. It ain't. It ain't. And the problem ain't going away. It might be a job for the Amaral squad, but you know Jabari, he like a lone wolf, so he like to play it by himself. But I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna be able to do it that way. I I, I don't. Uh, after reading this, I'm not quite sure he's gonna be. Able to, um, Especially if you look at history. Mr. Yeah, um, let me ask you a quick question. How is the Amara squad gonna gonna get involved? I don't why are you even saying that? Because man, at the end of the day, man, that's my brother. Although he be cheating and he and he faked me out, I ain't gonna hold that. I ain't gonna act like that ain't happened. And let I always say, hold on shit forever. Motep. Let me quote a sorry motip like he's not even right here right now. <laughs> Truth ain't got no friends. It don't, bro. But right, so but, now. Is there something in that article you could say, hey, Dr. Carrier is lying? No. Now, I think Dr. Carrier is not allowing Jabari in the African-American to create a system. I think Jabari just gonna have to come out. Okay. All right, hold on, I'm, I'm trying to grab the day going. Put it up on the screen, Garfield. A lot of viewers didn't see what y'all talking all right, let me, let me I don't know why you sound so low, brother Jonathan. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the tongue. Oh, he, he in the studio. That's why. Uh, <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me bring this up real quick. So, like, I we're did, I did inbox um, Dr. Carrier tonight, by the way, and I asked him if he would debate Jabari one on one, and he said, sure. Oh, why not? Oh, man. Oh, we ain't better help him with that, then. <laughs> Garfield, could you just quickly update us on the argument? Where is this? We can have great put up on the screen. Hold on. Okay. I'm putting up right definitely going to be able to help him out with that. And I'm just saying that everything he's saying is true. I ain't saying it's wrong. But no, he, he got to let the man. But you're saying that the Amiral squad might have to get involved. I'm, I'm like, yeah, to because do what? We, got, we might got to teach about you guys are casket makers now. What's going no, on? No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, yo, just like I created real <laughs> black atheism, just like Judaism okay. was created, just okay. like his religion, Christianity was created by human beings because they all had agency. We they just shrunk the world and got black people thinking that the world started somewhere in the damn Middle East. And they took away our agency to be able to create gods and goddesses and, and ideas and concepts and belief systems and ancestral worship. I'm saying I take offense to that. So Jabari just got to jump right out there and say, no, nah, we made that up. That's all he got to say. But I don't think he got, I think he got too much pride to admit that Shemaz and all them, they put together a system that they felt like African-Americans can have. They too busy going to try to make it seem like it's some ancient, like it was a post. Right, like, 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 I put up a post about the guy there going so, yoga. So is, like, the right. yoga ain't but no damn is. Egyptian yoga. It's an, it's an American thing. It's an African American thing. That's not a Egyptian Valley practice. We know that comes from the Indus, the Hindus somewhere. But we're fight like hell 
and make it seem like it's it's not. But I'm saying that the actual practice itself could actually help African Americans focus, concentrate, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And we just put out swam, 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 bam, boom on it. You just gotta say that. It's nothing wrong with being That's creative. It. That's what, That's what not, I said at the beginning. Scroll up a little bit. Let's see. Go up. Let's see if we get to the point. Scroll up a little bit. Well, sometimes it's not easy to do. Not, not, you went too far. Went too far. I addressed some examples. Right, right there. Go ahead. Read that. I, go ahead. I addressed <laughs> address some examples of this recently on the Dagger Squad, where we critique just a sampling of claims from the most famous Semitic apologist today, Brother Jabari. The whole process reminded me of some common fundamental lessons in historical methodology. I wish all these amateurs would learn and apply so we could clean up and get rid of all the misinformation they spin on the internet, which often gets conflated with serious Jesus myth scholarship and thus wrongly used to dismiss it. Um, I've summarized, what does it say? I've summarized some critical thinking tools on this point before. A vital primer on media literacy, the differences between a historian and an apologist, and from lead codices to mummy gospels, essential links on dubious tales. I also teach an online course every month on both critical thinking and historical methods for everyone. Here, I'll focus on some basic principles of sound um, sound That's historical it. procedure for ascertaining the truth, particularly regarding antiquity. So my brief critique of Jabari will serve as a launching point for general principles. Yeah, so Saul has a class on methodology. Smash teach methodology. We all do. So, so, so we not, the point I'm making is we, we, the value of having a team is so important that's how I got my methodology together. Like, like you know, I used to get questions like, so you can't just think that's what it is. You, you, you're being very biased. You can't just, you gotta look, you know, you gotta look at both sides. You gotta, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't look for what fit with you. And so that's the mistake the conscious community be making. And now based off of the, 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 the Europeans stepping up, right? And, and, and I'm gonna run and read this stuff that he put right there. And, it's, and, he's, and he's not dissing Jabari at all. He's simply saying what we're saying. There's a lot of daggone misinformation out there, no matter who it come from. I can't say he's wrong in that. What I will say is, though, that, Jabari got a right to make up his own shit. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, he'll never concede to that. So At the, at the same time, though, I'm, I'm already seeing a few issues here. And, again, I haven't read the article I knew but if you, you can <laughs> if you go to the top of the article go up there you know he starts off wrong so he says there is a subcategory of neo-paganism today called cometism or egyptian neo-paganism it is often heavily wrapped up in black supremacist or afrocentrism movements so you see how he, he started off in the very first sentence framing the entire conversation wrongly. First of all, Afrocentrism is a European thing. Afrocentricity is an academic methodology 
for evaluating text. And what they do is anybody who says anything about being black or black this and that, they, they lump into this category called Afrocentrism. And then they then they'll they'll try to link it to this this other fictional thing called black supremacists. Now there are a few people who like if you talk nation of Islam literature and, and, and stuff to this nature, you actually have a black supremacist worldview. Right, but this is just my point. You have to when when you make blanket statements like this, you have to name names. Yeah. So that's the first thing that you know in any kind of methodology. Like I would get into these conversations with, you know, uh, Dr. Dakar. Dr. Dakar would, you know, say stuff like, um, you know, don't name names, you know, speak in general or speak in terms of trends. But when you do that, you cloud the information and you end up bl making blanket statements. And again, coming from a science background, you know, Dr. Dakar's statistics. So they're worried about overall generalizations based on uh, statistical data. But in, in science and in logic, we need specifics. And so when, when, you, when you blanket people like this, you've already framed them to think negatively without even understanding what is cometicism. Has, has anybody defined that term that it is a cometicist? And what are their motivations for adopting comedic culture or even studying it? Without that background, they can just start labeling stuff. And because this individual has a degree, and this is one thing you got to remember about degrees. Mm -hmm. Degrees, people with PhDs have a very narrow specialization. Very, very narrow. They, they, you read their PhD dissertation, it's about one narrow subject in a vast sea of, of, of information. And what happens all the time is that you get people who specialize in one subject who feel that they can um, start then critiquing intelligently other fields of study that they don't have deep knowledge in. And, and this is where they fall short. So this is one of those things where he should say, I don't know. He don't know what Afrocentricity is. I'm pretty sure he, he hasn't read any serious scholarship along those lines, ain't read none of the methodological books, knows how to distinguish anybody who's just a blackologist and an Afrocentrist. And so he's starting off the conversation wrong. And, and so when you start off this, this way with these, these overgeneralizations and, and misunderstandings of text, then anything else that follows, you can expect to be in the same way. And I understand that this is a blog, so I'm not gonna necessarily treat it the same way that I would a journal article, but um, from a methodological standpoint, if he's trying to talk about methodology and this is what he teach, then you have to practice what you preach. And so this is just the first line. And I know if I go through this critically and carefully, I'm going to find all other kinds of generalizations and mistakes, you know, and misunderstandings of African scholarship. Because what ends up happening is that, you know, 
when you start looking for an expert in these subjects, you start looking to white people who, who aren't scholars in the field. And so he can't determine what is, uh, you know, like we would never use, an Afrocentrist would never use a term like neo-paganism. Because that's not how we define this. This goes back to the whole thing about agency that um, uncle's talking about. And so when you address, for example, Brother Jabari, you speak about the shrine of Ma'at and Ma'at being the center of their particular paradigm. You use the language that the people themselves use. When you start using outside language like neo-paganism, black supremacist, Afrocentrism, then you, you've already started off the argument wrong. And, and, and if, if our good brother was savvy enough, um, he, can, he can get this, he can dismiss all of this easily. Well, I think like, I think I agree. Um, I think in the actual article, he actually um, went through like nine different rules and, and rebutted Jabari based on the, the things that he was asserting. So the introduction was problematic, but, you know, he did attempt to um, bring to light some factual information. So, but I'm even still, it's still wrong. Like go back up to um, where he says, for example, don't trust anyone uh, or trust any information before 1950. Mm -hmm. BS. You trust the information that has the, the evidence to support it, regardless of what age, what time period it is, or who says it. This is the difference. He's a historian. He's not a scientist, so he don't think like a scientist. So a historian can summarily dismiss something, say, oh, don't trust anything from 1950 and, and beyond. No, you you take um, what is uh, uh, the 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 kernels the the that is verifiable, and then you use that, and and you use it in a particular type of context, and so it's just you know again as I said before I haven't read it at all so I have to go through it, but just how the way that he's wording things is just not scientific. All right, let me dive in here real quick. Let me dive in. So, no, 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 I'm going to stay right here. So, okay, so let me come to the spears of the Masi. All right, and, you know, man, shout out to uh, the Masi. And thank goodness. Shout out to the pseudo killers. Thank goodness. So, so you might have some problems, but but I'm not going to let the whole situation off, um, the, off the hook. Unk, hold on one second. He just came in, by the way. What? I couldn't hear you. you said what? Other son Jetty just came in. He just came in. Okay. All right. Let me let me dive on this. So it says today on page one thirty four, it says today we have a few different types of systems that claim to be traditional indigenous to the now. It says Kemeticism and Kemetic Orthodox both function like a Baptist church on Sunday morning. It says we have yet to find any text 
to collaborate any cultural tradition practices by either. It say, here lies another problem. Comedic orthodoxy grew out of the personal teachings of uh, Sandra, S-I-U-D-A. Uh, it says the temple pagan, no, my fault, the temple began in 1988, when she claimed to have experienced a series of visions during her initiation as a Wicca priest. And the, the source for that is Dawson, 2004-2009. Cometicism also sometimes referred to as uh, Netaisms or Egyptian neo-paganism. It's a, is the contemporary rival of ancient Egyptian religion and related expression of religion in classical and late antiquity emerging during the 1970s. A, it's a, a comedic is one who follows uh, comedicism, Michael uh, 2014. It's a, when careful review, the beliefs between these two systems, Rastrocrucian occultism stands out. It's a wicker historian, wicker history stems from Europe and was created during the 1920th, 20th century. What kind of what 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 kind of trace would lead one to create comedic orthodoxy? These are two totally different types of traditions that have that have absolutely no relationship with one another. So you know what I mean? I just wanted to kind of uh, this is from uh, the Spears of the Masi, Masi Warrior Clan, by Kofi Pasa Research Team. Go ahead, Smash, I can't hear you. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't even know my mic was turned on. My bad. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm saying, so it is some problems in that, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm always staying with my brothers, but when you wrong, you wrong, you just fucking wrong. And I, like I said, my only problem is, is that we have the right, we have agencies to create any system we want using using African traditional systems as the backdrop. And I mean, hell, like, like you said, it's all like, man, look, even the, the practice of Judaism is taken from an older system. So I don't know. What's going on, brother Sanjeti? How you doing, bro? I'm doing, doing pretty good. Peace to everybody. Good to see people's face, um, <clears throat> hear people's voices. You know, SAR, of course, we, we talk often. Check you out, Naya. All right. Um, you know, Jonathan Owens was good, man. It was a good brother. Um, so we see we have Garfield there. It was good. Um, Doc, I think she left. Doc was on her. Yeah, yeah, she just left out. But, you know, shout out peace to her. Um, no, she she went back home and got her name. I mean, that that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so when she looks at the archive, you know, I won't, I won't let her know that, hey, sister, I'm real proud of you for making that step. That's very important. So, um, <clears throat> so I, I wanna, I'm gonna jump in on the cometicism piece. So- He popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> That's why he popped up. <laughs> nah, nah. I mean, I didn't even know that was gonna be the discussion. It just, you know- popped okay. like the Holy Ghost, yo. <laughs> on cue. Hey, good to see but, you though, Sinjeti, absolutely, bro. Um, now I want to say this, that, you know, I'm really proud of the Mosley Warrior clan, uh, with Kofi doing his thing. You know, I'll, I'll see, i see you brother. Keep doing your thing. I'm real proud of you, man. That's a good example. Um, keep pushing, keep researching, keep producing. Um, now when they did that research, I do wish that I'll say if they decide to update their research on that, um, 
you know, to interview uh, key people. Me, I'm one of them. <laughs> so, you know, ask questions from, uh, now again, I don't know if they had conversations with uh, certain people, um, but, you know, if they were to interview, say somebody like me, who's been involved in that at least since 2000, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count my Nwapian experience in that because that wasn't African centered. Uh, so I'd say from 2000 moving forward. So that's ooh, 21 years. So, uh, so if you decide to update that, then, you know, I'm here for questions. So there was, there is a woman, let's talk about comedic, the comedic movement. What do you think about that though? What I just read, did you hear it? What do you think about that? Yeah, I heard most of it. So it looks like there was a distinction between basically com comedic orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. So that's the white folks doing it, quote unquote. Okay. And then you have say the comedic people. I don't like saying Kemite personally, but we'll just say Kemite, just to make it simple. Mm -hmm. So we got the black stream, so we got the, got the European stream, which essentially kind of grows out of European Orientalism, if you will and occultism, um, and then you got, you have African-Americans who are reconnecting with their African roots and choosing, you know, basically what civilization they want to connect to. So we have some African-Americans who would emphasize the Akon tradition, all right, of the Akon people. You have others who will emphasize the Yoruba culture, specifically Sheshe uh, Legba. Many people don't say Ifa, but that's the divination system, if you will. But but we call it Sheshe Legba. Um, you have others who will emphasize the uh, Vodun tradition that has its roots directly into the farm people in Bengal. Froze up. Son Jetty doing Jedi tricks on us, man. He popped up and we <laughs> didn't he pop up like the Holy Ghost show. Uh, he um he gonna come back in. He got to froze and come back out. What's up, Sean? What's on your mind, man? Yeah, I wanted to bring up all the books, man. Brother Sean, man. He's been with the squad for a long time, man. And um, you know, we're looking at the books, looking at the books, looking at the roles. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Looking good there, Sean. So yeah, Sean, I read that out your book, man. I felt like um, that you definitely have a vested interest in this conversation, though, man. And um, mm -hmm. I think I told you, you know me, I don't keep no, I I, I don't hide my hand. Uh, so uh, I, the only thing I'm defending with uh, Jabari is his right to have agency to create and, 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 and use anything from Africa that he wants. Uh, I think it's very creative. I, the, the only problem I would have if we try to make it seem like that's what they was doing, this original system, and that, and that would be my problem. But that's, you know what I'm saying? And so he gonna have to, he gonna have to stand on that. If he think that's what they was doing, then he gonna have to stand on that. He didn't stand on it by himself. I can't do it. So what do you got to say about, because uh, you wrote it. The historical yeah, survey of the minds of African warrior scholars, right? One. And and that's a, that's a lovely piece right here, bro. Like, yeah, that's it. That's your chapter right there. What's up? No, I wrote I wrote it to draw a distinction 
you you actually have to get the full context of the chapter and the, and the purpose for writing it because there's other claims that go inside of that that have been used by Brother Jabari in his work. Um, the truth of the matter is this is based on his lecture. Uh, you, well, this chapter isn't based on his lecture, but some of the stuff that's in the lecture or the presentation um, outside of some things that can get really, 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 really uh, suspect, um, you, you see that, right? We have brothers and sisters um, who practice uh, some form of uh, whatever they want to call the system, um, you know, comedic, they say comedic spirituality. Um, which, you know, uh, you know. I say comedic Christianity. You know, I call it comedic Christianity. Good. Yeah, and, and I do too. Uh, but you see you see them doing certain things that we really don't see in the actual, uh, we, we don't see in, in metal nature. We don't see in, in any other on the walls or a scribe. And a lot of this is infused a lot of this is infused culturally from mistranslations, not only from Budge, but the influence of Gerald Massey and um, and what's her name? Murdoch, DM Murdoch. And um, that um, a lot of those claims like the Jesus thing and the the claiming Jesus was born on the 25th. And, you know, a lot of that stuff, a lot of a, a lot of that comes from these people who's actually pushing it now. Uh, what you read wasn't particularly speaking to or toward uh, Jabari or the Shrine of Ma'at. Uh, in particular, it was speaking more so to the, you know, the uh, the lady in 1988, supposedly creating that. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, this movement in the 70s, which you which you will see a person like uh, Baba Heru influential in that in that particular culture, and rightfully so. But I'm saying he takes a different lane or a path, but you know, uh, you don't see Jabari, you don't see, there's some things you don't see Jabari doing and that's comparing the cross and the ump, well, which I haven't uh, seen it, but you you see other people who actually do that, um, you know, but you do see a lot of correlations to, you know, that weighs heavy on, uh, what is that? Gerald Massey's Egypt and the Light of the World, right? Because we get this, we get this passed down through us from, uh, people who get introduced to SETI, uh, you know, well, Baba Ashwa Kwesi. Hey, Sean, Sean, let me ask you a question, straight up. Does any human being have the right to create their own foolishness? <laughs> no, I'm serious. They, they have the right to. Yeah, they got a right to do that. They have the right to do it. Jabari has the right to do it. Anybody, SETI, YP, anybody, right? Mm -hmm. But the issue is saying that we are interconnected directly to that culture by doing this, telling the people. Correct. Correct. Well, that that depends mm -hmm. on the scholarship. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Because you know, I've been waiting for for to debate anyone mm -hmm. on this 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 notion that there's no connection between West Africa and ancient Kemet and throughout various time fields, uh, time periods, I should say. And you know, uh, everybody makes claims, but you know, you have to falsify just as strongly as you 
um, make a claim to support your evidence. Like you have to come with the same rigor and same zeal when falsifying information. So something isn't wrong just because you said so. What experiments, what, what have you read? What are the sources that you say are making claims? And what is the evidence for and against those claims in those texts? And so this is, this is the issue of, of methodology that has to be kept into the forefront. So just because someone says, you know, we West Africans, a lot of us didn't come from West Africa. Like my mother's lineage came from Southeast Africa. Like people forget where the hell the slave trade went. Like forgetting all those people in Central Africa and in, in East Africa who found themselves um, here in the Americas. What what they got to do with what you were saying, though? What God from Santa, huh? No, no, no. Hold on. I see where he's going. But I saw you just said that most of us don't come from West Africa. Did you just say that? No, I'm saying that most of us don't know that we come from other places besides West Africa. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. I got so you. when, it, like, people say West Africa, like, it's a city. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you stupid. You know. And then nobody, everybody talking about West Africa, these are the same people don't talk about Congo, don't talk about uh, Zambia, don't talk about South Africa, Mozambique, Madagascar. You know, these are places that Africans were taken from the slave trade as well. And when you look at the, the entire history of Africa, it's complex. And that's why I'm like, when I, when I see people summarily dismiss arguments, I'm like, what have you read? Who? And I know for a fact that most of these people haven't read certain scholarship because they don't speak and read in other languages. Hey, so, you know, the problem be, a lot of times continental Africans be making up shit too, though. Like, yeah. real hard. You be like, come on, dog. Everybody from Egypt, everybody can't be from Egypt or something. They don't you know what I'm talking say about. everyone's from Egypt. No, I'm saying when you go to, you'll get these scholars from the continent of Africa yeah. and they be all over the continent of Africa and they all swear they come from Egypt. And the question is, well, why? Why is that? Why do everybody go think Egypt is the place to go? You get my point, though? It's like, it's like when they, when, when the religion, <laughs> people, as I said before, to be that's Muslim. not. Wait, wait, wait. You, you get African people claiming to be from the lineage of, of Muhammad. It's that same type of thing that goes on. Now, who does that? Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Just let me finish my point. That's not That's not to knock the real scholarship on the subject. So I'm saying there needs to be a line drawn, bro. The difference between people, everybody acting like they're from Egypt, right, and the real scholarship. That's the point I want to make. But but scholarship, how could you tell? This is, this is what, how I know that certain people haven't read the scholarship. It's easy to make a, a summarization, but that's just my point. That's what my point um, talking about Courier when we read the first part of his article. You have to name text. You have to name people and cite where they make these claims so that you know who is making arguments based on evidence and who is not. And so what some people do is that they'll find that one dude who said that we are the Anunnaki who landed in Egypt 
and built spaceships and were the Native Americans and say, that's the one that we're going to uh, summarize everybody who speaks on this subject on. And in not understanding that there is a body of knowledge of, of information from colonial scholars or just like colonial travelers and things of this nature, botany, linguistics, metallurgy, it's a whole thing. That's why I can't wait for someone to talk sideways and, and, and want to have a debate on this on this West Africa Kemet. Uh, that's going to be fun. Uh -huh. I, I, I doubt. Now, go ahead, Sanjay. So, all right. So, on that topic, mm -hmm. you get just like the star said, we have to read and actually listen to what people are saying. We're talking about the scholars. When scholars, I'm talking about the real scholars, when they're using Kemet, mm -hmm. they're not using Kemet to say, oh, all of us come from here. Give me one scholar, one that says, all of us come from Kemet. One. I challenge anybody, give me one scholar. I'm not talking about a religious fanatic. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about a scholar who's done hardcore research with references, et cetera. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take that challenge one, up. Hold on. One scholar that says all of us come from Kemet. They ain't the claim, though. Okay. So I, I'm gonna put that out there. And again, not I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about Dr. York. I'm not talking about Ronifer Amin. And I don't even think he makes that claim. Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about um, YouTube fanatics. I'm not talking about them. Okay. So don't I don't I don't want nobody bring me none of them. Give me one scholar who does. Now. Do I personally think that I directly come from Kemet? No, I don't. I've never said that. I deal with Kemet because that is a personal choice. Hmm. That is my choice, and that's what I do with my life. Do I deal with West Africa? I absolutely do, because that is my choice. Now, we have people who make criticisms, but my, my question is, like, what is the end point of... of certain types of criticisms, if they are even criticisms. Are you going to change somebody's behavior? Are you going to change their decision to do with their life? Probably not. So back to the to the, the, the cometicism piece, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to connect it with what y'all were just talking about. So this is why we have to learn, learn how to do research, not just read something. That's not research. When you go to University of Kemet Press, they have plenty of works on how to do research. Now, Kemeticism, when you read about it, is talking about Kemetic orthodoxy. So you have this woman, this white woman named Tamara Suida. Tamara Suida. White lady? Say it again. Was it a white lady? Yes. <laughs> oh. And from what I recall, I think she was dealing with a West African system. And she basically wanted to be the head of it, but you ain't, you, that's not happening. So then she latched on to Kemet and started Kemet Orthodoxy, you know, trying to put a monopoly on it. And she has priesthood and all that kind of stuff. She even calls herself a Nisut Bidi. Now, when you're studying Kemetic culture, 
and you understand what that means, what she's saying is, I am a king in line with all of the kings of ancient Kemet. That's what she's saying. That's like saying to someone of a Yoruba culture, oh, I am the Araba. That's, that's like saying I'm the next Pope, if, if we have to make a comparison. And you're looking like, what? So now we have the, we have African-Americans who have decided that they want to deal with Kemet. That is their right. Do I have my criticisms of, of some of the different groups? Of course, do I have criticisms of everything? You know, but we have some people who, you know, may have dealt with, say, occultism, et cetera, and then came into the study of Kemet, at least on the surface level. And you have others who enter in based on scholarship. But you have to know exactly who you're talking about. It can't be just this blanket statement to say that, oh, all y'all think you're from Egypt. Like, that tells me how much you have not read or understood. You know what I mean? Because it's easy to do that. It's easy to talk trash about other people because you think it's fun. Who, or you who, think, who thinks that? Who thinks that? Like everybody who who practice, uh, you know, uh, a comedic style of a tradition or whatever, uh, all come from Kemet. What what people think that? I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. You know, what I mean, I'm not any hurry. I know you've seen in conversations, people implying that, oh, all y'all think y'all from Egypt. Why y'all <laughs> always got to talk about Kemet? Well, that's because they want to. That's, is that yeah. something? I mean, I've seen it. you know, um, now from a scholastic standpoint and reconstructing African history, when we read the works of Jope, the, um, the ancestor Carruthers, Jacob Carruthers and, and a few others, we use Kemet because of its antiquity. For example, how would I know how to distinguish European or Abrahamic influences, let's say on the Yoruba culture, or in this case, let's say the Mosi culture? How do I distinguish that when there are indeed influences? One of the ways you can do that is by comparison. So if I can find the comparisons between, let's say, the Mosi culture and, let's say, something from, say, Kenan before Islam came in, and with Kemet, because, you know, Kemet comes before Abrahamism and Europeanism, I can find those commonalities, and that way I can deduce and weave out what those influences are. That's one of the reasons we use Kemet because it helps us in that journey. It doesn't mean that you have to practice Kemetic ritual, which is just simply general African ritual anyway, if we actually are reading the text. Because every time I'm reading the text and looking at how they're doing the ritual, I see that at a bimbe. It, you know what I'm saying? If anyone, I'm sure, I uh, know, sorry, you've been to a bimbe. I'm not sure if anyone else has. You know, when we're there doing what's called Orisha worship, et cetera. 
I see it all the time. I see it in the Akon tradition. When I look at them do their rituals, Vodun, when I look and see them do their rituals, I have God sisters who are mambos and they do rituals and I'm like, oh man, that looks like what I got, what I've seen in this ritual over here on the wall. But that's just a little tip there. So I passed the mic. About to release a text on um, Orisha in ancient Egypt. I want all the smoke in 2021. Yeah, and so do me a favor. Because I think I think that evidence connecting West Africa to um, Kemet is kind of flimsy. So give me the, I'm going to do a literary review. And I'm going to be the one to challenge you on that. Because I've heard the conversation and I just found it to be very, very flimmy, flimsy, flammy, not, not as thorough as I would like it for me to actually say, you know what? I'm with that. So if you talk about 10 people that might have migrated to West Africa, I mean a wholesale tribe, something we can stick our teeth into. You, are you saying they was trading? What, what's the books I need to read? And please. You, you, you did it all in the bibliographies of the text that will be released this year. Really? Hey, yes. Give me three good books to get right now while I'm talking. Give me three. Um, it, it's, I put it like this. Okay. The books for you right now are irrelevant. What you have to develop is the skill set to evaluate the evidence. Let me hear the, say that again. I asked you for three books, and you tell me I got to develop the skill set to evaluate the information. I'm yes. looking at, I'm evaluating. I think it's a bunch of crap at this point. But I'm but that's it. just the thing. I've seen. If it. You don't know the sources. How do you know it's a bunch of crap? Because I read enough to know. But you didn't read the primary text on which we're talking about. wasn't in West Africa, so. So I'm asking. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. None, none of Hold Listen. on one second. Hold on one second, Asar. Hold on one second. What are you guys really talking about right now? Well, I'm saying that West defending Africa... Jabari. No, I ain't defending Jabari. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. We're defending Jabari right now. Sean, hold on one second. No, we're not. Asar saying huh? that the West Africans <laughs> were in their entire culture. A quarter, the twenty-five percent of the culture, fifty percent of the culture, or a hundred percent of the culture comes from Kemet. Is that what you're saying, Asar? No, I'm saying there's there's variations when you talk about connections. That's why you have to have the conversation in text first. I've been in the conscious community long enough to know that mm -hmm. you Negroes on video take one little thing and try to run with it without evaluating the whole entire thing. And what I don't want to do is mm. put something out there and then not have available for you in one single location for you to evaluate everything, including the entire book of resources. So that's why I say, just wait. You will All have right. your time <laughs> to, to evaluate, All you know, right. the text. And so, you know, like people, people get like, like, one of the things that I, uh, I mention all the time is cowrie shells. Mm -hmm. All those cowrie shells you see in West Africa come from Egypt. They come from Sudan. They're the ones who were using it as trading, uh, as money 
There's no cowrie shells that originate in West Africa, but you got cowrie shells all in the uh, West African art. We do uh, divinations with cowrie shells and Ifa tradition and all other kinds of stuff. Even even the whole Ifa markings. This is not Egypt, but this comes from Arabs. Okay, but let me let me ask you this, um, um, Asar. If if most African Americans, right? have certain markers and i'm going to genetics right now and genetic marker we don't find it going as a matter of fact most of the em 180 and beyond that markers migrate and go to the east so there's evidence of people from west africa migrating we could use that genetic evidence so now if people migrate to the east and come back to the west are back and forth and we know there are several trading networks in West Africa. I don't think anybody's surprised to see anything. I mean, I've read tons of books on um, trade and people coming from different cultures from all over, looking at oral traditions. I've read tons of books on oral traditions in West Africa and East Africa and South Africa. So people are always migrating and 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 let's let's look at the Lemba for a second. The Lemba has an oral tradition saying that they descend from white men from Senya, right? Now, they wherever they come from or whatever is their business. But am I to believe that these people actually descended from white people from Senya? Should I take that literally? So when we when we do the oral tradition game and then we look at different things in the culture, I have evidence of the Romans in West Africa, but it don't mean that the Romans came there and brought Christianity and everything. So cultures always migrating and trading. So I don't think there's an issue. But there is an issue. That's why we're having, because people are trying no, to I, deny. No, 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 Listen no, to what I'm saying. People you know what, are trying to hold deny hold on, hold on, that there was no trading or there was no travels of no, the ancient no. Kemet to West Africa. The only, the only time that they um, say that this is even possible is when it comes to Arabs. So only Arabs are intelligent and, and, and bold enough to cross from the, from the deserts in Saudi Arabia all the way to West Africa. But the Africans in Africa, whether they in East Africa, Northeast Africa, they don't do the same thing that the Europeans and, and Arabs do. That's a good point. Nah, nah, no, it's not. No, it's not. Listen, listen, listen. Mansa Musa took a group of Africans, hundreds of thousands of them, and traveled from North Africa all the way to Mecca and back in a, in only a few years. You mean West Africa? You mean West Africa? That's what I'm saying. From West Africa to Mecca and back. Yeah, you said no. Oh, yeah, yeah you're about Africa. Um, right. No, I'm so saying to through I'm North saying. Africa. To well, the, the, the trade, the, the route was the route West Africa. Went. It went north to North Africa. Then he went straight across through Kemet. Then he went through... And um, all the way to the I mean, yeah. said against Sanjeti, did what? What did he do? Which way no. go? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm just giving clarity. I'm sorry. Mansum, uh, uh, Mansum Musa went from West Africa. It's an, it's an angle in the Sahara, Unc. It's an angle that goes north. That goes he went from West route. Africa. It's an angle that goes north. He went north into West Africa along the trading route. And then he continued east straight to Kemet 
but he went through there and then went over to Saudi Arabia and then went south. That was his route. All right, go ahead. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of, that's a good one. So we saying that they didn't do it. So if we fight against that, we basically saying that they didn't, that it took the Arabs to show them how to do it. Yeah, I, I can yeah. see that. I definitely can oh, see. Oh, but Ong, Ong, you see, that's kind of like a cop-out. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. I I don't hear, listen, listen, listen. When you're researching, you don't make up your mind. That's, that's what methodology teaches you, right? You don't make up your mind before you start. You go where the evidence leads, right? Now, right. If, if the evidence leads in one direction, we can now say bias. Remember what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with a culture that's oral. And all these, you have thousands of oral traditions. Robin Law has but, done tons of work on this. Um, Oldenburg, different African writers. Have done, I'm going to give a quick listen, example. Listen, this is what you also have to keep in mind. That just because you are young on the research question doesn't mean that everyone else is and hasn't considered those things. No, no, and no, so no, what not, you not, what not, you I'm have not, to be careful of is to not project your own limitations on other people in their research. And that's what a lot of people do. Just because you haven't come across it, doesn't mean that other people have I think you're throwing something out that you don't even need to throw out. What Yo, I'm saying you, to everybody- Can y'all hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan, I'm sorry. Uh, is my mic faint or is- it yeah, I'm hear you now, you're good now. Yeah, I just want to add something probably, you know, uh, because I do remember some in my earlier research, some West African people and first we follow, I mean, we also can find things when we look at the, uh, follow the gods. And when I was doing all the, you know, who they venerate. When I was doing research on the mother goddess, I find that the people in West Africa called the Ewe people are E-W-E, some old school. The airway. Okay, thanks for pronouncing it right. So airway people. Now they did worship the goddess Nana. It's, it, it was interesting because in my research, I found, and, and, and you can also look into the work of Mama Zogbe or Dr. Uh, Darkwa. I think his name was Dr. Nana Darkwa. And they also say that the Iwa people travel from West Africa to the regions of Haiti or Haiti, the old Hittite kingdom, so to speak. But before the Hittite kingdom is what we find out. Now, this is mean you had to pass through Kemet and go further north as we would understand how that works geographically. But one thing we find out when we look at that is they worship Nana. Now, they were said to be uh, a people called the Keta. And I did make certain connections that would show that some of this stuff is true about uh, some a West African tribal people leaving, traveling, just like it was demonstrated when Massa Musa did it. And, and we know it happened many a times over. But if people want to look into this research, here's a, a key source in that. Because when they had the Battle of the Hittites a long, a long time later, about 18th, maybe 19th dynasty, I might be wrong, whenever the Battle of the Hittites happened, it was... Ramses, who had said that one of the ways that they stopped it was pointing out to the Hittites that they had a fraternity with the people who ruled their land before them, and the people were called the Keta, 
And then when you start to look into, I don't know what the study of uh, divinity is, that's not there, but whatever, we find out that the Kettle still worship Nana and Tawa Nana being one of the first uh, Kettle deities, I mean, Kettle uh, queens or whatever. And so I, I just want to put that out there on the subject that I just put that out of my memory that we could definitely find people who sourced, uh, who did research to show up migrations from uh, West Africa, far beyond Kimmy. So, yeah, yeah, I can't, that's, I mean, I, I forgot about Musa. So are we saying that, let me see, so. Yeah, okay. but Musa's, Musa's in the 1300, 1300 AD era. But he I was know, not, he didn't no, travel no, by no, ship. Whoa, whoa, hold on, man, let me say what I want to say. Let me make this point. Oh. Hold on, I know okay. when the era was, but, but do he know how to get there from, stories from his own culture or was he following the herbs back like like it's interesting because i forgot about that so maybe we been was doing like how does that what do y'all i know i know nah, you, you have to think about the people who controlled the sahara yo you know what i'm saying like you, you had people that were controlling trade in those areas and you had people that were getting paid to take people across the sahara you had people, you had people to get like the Tureg, like if you, if you identify the Tureg, the Tureg, they wore a symbol. The symbol was the Tureg cross. The Tureg cross didn't mean anything uh, outside of, it had symbolic meaning, which you stood for pretty much direction. So they were infamous in dealing with going here, there and everywhere. You see the adaptation of people's gods and different cultures when you're dealing with these, uh, um, these Tureg up there, or these, Ber these Berber Tureg's up there in Northeast Africa, uh, or along that trade route, because they wanted to do business. They were Christian, they were Muslim, they were, you know, you see uh, the Remich, uh, nature rules up in their culture, you see all of that, that when you're talking about those Tureg. So you got these people that were de desert dwellers, um, that were Uber drivers, that could lead you along the way. That's why you had those caravans. Those caravans was How infamous. They had how old ago? Man, they've been doing it for a long time. They've been they've been doing it for they've been doing it for a long time. Like what? That's that's what like made what them so relevant during trade. Like what time? Twenty thousand years ago? Ten thousand? What? Five? What? I'm nah, just I'm trying to going, get. Yeah, yeah, uh, you going? I ain't going no twenty thousand years. Which, all those crosses that they brought, the Tareg brought during the trade routes. Watch, man, some good questions. I'm, I'm gonna ask you a simple question. So, if they went all the way to the east and through the um, whichever routes they went to, isn't it possible the people that they trade with had products from different areas, whether from so-called Nubia, so-called Egypt, so-called um, Ethiopia? so-called North yes. Africa, wherever the trade went. Isn't it possible? India, exactly. Europe, yeah. Exactly. When you looked at the Amber Road and all these different trade routes, all I'm saying is anyone can bring culture across. It doesn't You can bring artifacts. You can bring culture. Culture yeah. comes with the people. Oh my God, it's on this and there's a difference. And, okay, and but because something is possible does not make it plausible. You have to keep that in mind when you're doing this. <laughs> I'm stupid, y'all. Right, no, you know no, 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 no. I'm just saying today, y'all make, like, like I got to really, I'm saying I forgot about Musa. 
So how long was they like they, they Musa is prime evidence that an African from West Africa can end up in Mecca some damn way. So if I keep fighting and saying that they hold on, Garfield. It doesn't matter if he had a, a, a lead or, or a guide. He he brought soldiers. It was a group, it was a group of them, you know, um, no less than I'm sorry. Yeah, he brought slave, he brought a lot of people. Yes. And so my point is is that people travel, Africans, he didn't travel by boat. He didn't have a whole bunch of camels either. They walked. <laughs> and and Africans walk oh, long distances all the time. You'd be surprised. Uh -huh. Well, of how far African Mecca, people though. be walking. What was, what was that, Sean? Now, all the people that travel with Mansa Musa made it to Mecca. Some of them didn't even make it to Kemet. Yeah, some, some probably died. Because of the path. Yeah, because said, I'm settling here. Right, so look. Yeah, the path, the path was rocky. So they, when they went on those mountains, when they went uh, along those mountains, it became too narrow. So they had to... Uh, they had to leave a lot behind, but it wasn't what they left behind wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was traveling with like, you know, some people, some muscle. He was traveling with servants and things of that nature, but it wasn't like, you know, uh, uh, like the exaggerated number that we come to know in the story. That's a little embellished, but it's, it's, you know, he, he goes that particular way so that there's like that, but he ain't the first though. Uh, He's not the first yeah, person. Yeah, so I'm saying that's why I got a question. I got a. Yeah. I'm saying it's illogical to think. I'm just trying to figure out how long was they doing it. And so, Garfield, are you saying it took the herbs to get us there? Is it remotely pop? Well, we know it's possible. It's no, like no, saying no. they went to the moon. Was it possible for them to do it? Like that. That's what I'm. I'm just trying to feel. You know what I mean? I, let Go me ahead. ask a quick question to you, Anka, to everybody. I mean, it's a simple one. What took? Why did Massimusa go? West. I mean, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Why did he go? Yes. Yeah, he was going uh, to Mecca. I know. Mecca. But, but what was the overall reason why? So, was, so overall, it was Allah, correct? Huh? Yes. Nah, 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 no. See, no. I want to know the answer to that. So yeah. let me, hear let me, let me answer that. the question. Let me answer the question. No, no. He, let him finish, Sean. Go ahead. No, no. He's, no I, I'm, I'm asking to get him to say what he's about to say. All right, Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa went to uh, Kemet. It, his his move east was a political move because he wanted to expand the empire. But at the same time, there was there was someone who sat at the throne prior to him that no longer exists. And this is the first time you hear about the story of Albuquerque, uh, supposedly Albuquerque the second. Uh, being, you know, traveling to the uh, the new world, or supposedly wanting to go somewhere, and you know, you get the two thousand the two thousand ship story. What a so two hundred ship and then a two thousand ship behind that. So, so yes, yes. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> One day, the empire that lead us down. I mean, that's starting another algorithm because that would lead me to ask: Did he expand the empire? No. So he didn't. He went so broke. He, he, so he did not fail. <laughs> He didn't fail his I think I think the story was he was making a pilgrimage to Mecca and gave out so much gold on the way under his religious seal or whatever. Yeah, that he broke and he borrowed money from the Muslims and they came to the area of Mali. 
Yeah. But I'm trying to just hold on. There's more to it. It's more to it. It's more to it, Smash. It's more to it. Hey, Sean, which one of the Massey books you got there? All right. So it's in volume two. It's in it's it's in it's in volume two. All right. But before you say that, I'm not necessarily scrutinizing what Master Musa did. I want to make a point about how divinity made men uh travel these long ways. And my point, I mean, yeah. again, I'm not trying to cut you off because I wasn't scrutinizing what Mansa Musa did. I'm pointing out that from West Africa to Mecca is not close. We know that. And Allah, quote unquote, or the religious zeal or whatever of having a pilgrimage made him travel that far. Well, when we look at how the West African goddess Nana, who still survives in West Africa, how she entered into the Hebrew Bible as El Shaddai, and how Abraham was versing her, there was a, a ziggurat to Nana way before all this stuff happened. I'm just saying that we got two pilgrimages from these areas based on the same type of uh, thing, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? And that's just something I wanted to point out because, again, I want us to focus on that, how the goddess Nana, being one of the earliest mother goddess deities, actually, we see evidence of her all in the early world and and, and this first starting as a West African deity with the Ewe people. Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I see your point. I, I, yeah, because you're right. She did travel yeah. from afar. She tra she traveled from afar. She's the oldest deity. Time period. Time period. There's also sec there's also Sekhmet who traveled into what is now called Nigeria. Oh, uh, you going you going back really far because the I, the first the you know as far as worshiping a deity. Is Nana and and I can't date it, but some estimated. No, what, I just need it before Musa. I can okay. give you a good one. So yeah, like ziggurat. around twenty thousand, right? Twenty thousand years. Ah, look, look up the ziggurat to Nana in uh, about twenty one hundred BC. Dang. A ziggurat to Nana in Earth. Y'all kill me, hey, hey Garfield. So what you gonna do? You heard that? They didn't. They didn't. They didn't morphosize on our ass on this one. Quick. Yeah, I think I think, the I think there's evidence of, of, of people <laughs> traveling back and forth throughout Wait, history. Whoa. That and, was a and, quick and, shit. And, and, and hold on, hold on, hold on. And I think I think it's, ah. it's um I, ah. I I'm just going where the evidence leads. So you don't, this you don't believe twenty twenty one. Wait, wait, hold on. What you say? I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that I realized I was I forgot about Musa for like ever. And then they start talking about nah, nah, and they give me the artifact. So I, I'm saying I gotta I gotta step, I just gotta shut up for a minute. I gotta read. That's why I say send me the shit. So all, you all the smoke for yeah, 20 I don't want the smoke. But what, <laughs> but, but what smoke, but hold on it. What smoke do you want? Asar, what smoke <laughs> do you want for 2020? Let's be clear. What smoke do you want? I want the people who deny West African connections. Nah, that, that's, that's, that's vague. That is so vague. Yeah, that's vague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that's so vague. vague. That's a trap. We ain't yeah, falling for the trap. It is a trap. That's a good that's trap. That's the banana in the tailpipe. That's the banana in the tailpipe trap. They always fall into that. Yeah. Oh, what is no. the genetics prove there's migration. So First of all, you don't even have enough genetic studies. To yeah, actually, actually, we do. No, you don't. I, 
Actually, we do. You know why? Because 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 we have something sequenced within the e marker. Listen to what I'm saying. Actually, tell us. I, I put it like this. We know how long we know how long the e marker has been. I put it like this. Garfield, can you name me 50 studies of ancient West African DNA? 50 mm -hmm. studies of ancient African DNA? Can you name me two? 50 of them? I mean, you had the one with the ghost gene. You had the one there is the... no West African ancient DNA. Yes, there it is. Got... It came out the other four months ago. What are you talking about? No, that's in... Um... That is West African. That changed the whole that's art conversation. And all because they talk it's so about old, it changed the whole conversation. It kind of it supports your argument, sir, that West African thing. Was not populated by those folks that you see. This is what, this is what I meant. Hold on. It's not populated by what folks? You assume that people that are in their place right now have always been there. And that's why I say you, you, you don't even have 50 ancient genetic studies of West African fossils to compare to the people in the areas in which they're at now. You don't have, I guarantee you, I bet money on this, you don't have enough studies to come to a conclusion. I know this for a fact as I've been studying this. I keep up with this. Okay. I know for a fact you know. <laughs> okay. And I'm, hey, I'm, I have a question. All the smoke in 2021. Uh, hey, hold, 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 hold on, Garfield, Garfield, hold on, Garfield. He, he listen, done messed on. up now. Hold on, so ahead, listen, listen, ahead, so in Nigeria, in Nigeria specifically, Iwo Eliru scientist Chris Stringer proceeded to do a more detailed analysis on the cranial of a skull that dates back some 11,200 years. Tiny fragments of the charcoal accompanied by old Stone Age tools recovered from tin workings near Joss of the Nigerian Plateau suggest when submitted to scientific methods of dating in age greater than 39,000 years, whether Negroes or Negroid people were living in West Africa in the Sahara, two at the time is not known, but it is believed that they existed in that area around what, 5,000 BC rock painting and engraving uh, recently discovered by Henry Lote, a French archeologist indicate that the Negroes presumably from West Africa and its neighbors had been living as far as the Tensile Plateau in the Sahara before 3000 BC. what you say about that? I say exactly what I said beforehand. You don't have enough studies. You don't have enough bodies. West Africa is not conducive to the preservation of fossils in that um, large amount that you can extract DNA in large amounts to make these arguments. This is why I, I can't take people seriously when they, when they on this subject. I know for a fact they ain't studied. I want all the smoke. So, so what about the so what about the two burial sites near Cameroon? There were eight you know, burial sites in one in one location no, in all of Cameroon. And you, and you making the judgment? No, Yo, I'm Nassar, asking the question. Is anti listen, listen, Nassar, listen, listen. Yeah, so. Africa, claiming West Africa is not a bad thing. It's not. <laughs> I, just, I just want to put that out there. It's not it's a bad thing. Now. Hey, it's, hey. Not, it's not, it's not a, it's a lot of a lot of the stuff that people want to claim in terms of the civilization say, of West Africa. Book, right? are yeah, I got it in the book. I got what I got page? it in the book. It's uh it's on page on page 146 and 146 on uh, it's called uh Balad Al Badan, the land of the whites, white rule in West Africa. 146. 146, yo. 
Second, second paragraph, second and third paragraph, yo. Well, what time period is that anyway? Hey, Sean, you read it from your book. Smack, break, break out the book. Don't let us all talk that shit. That shit in right, respond in writing us all. It's in writing us all. First of all, uh-oh, here you go. Here you go. Four West African this, populations this is, carry genes. This is why. Hold on, hold on, sorry, read it. Hold on, Saul. Go ahead. Go ahead. How are you going to ask me a question? I started answering it. You started joking. I wanted to read it. He found it. Go ahead, read it. All right. So, so four West African populations carry genes from what may be undiscovered archaic uh, hominid. This archaic group of hominids seems likely to have diverged from the shared ancestor of Neanderthals. The Nosovans and modern humans before these uh, lineages split about eight eight hundred thousand years ago. Uh, the source actually twenty twenty. Recently in Cameroon, a, bur a burial site was excavated. Its findings uncover more available data. For the first time, uh, the University Libra de Bruxelles, the uh, you know who they are, the Royal Museum of Central Africa and the Leakey Foundation. Scientists analyzed the uh, ancient genetics of four individuals from Shum Laka Rock Shelter in West Cameroon. The samples came from two burials, uh, burials at the site, one roughly 3,000 years ago, another around 8,000 years ago, uh, Wehas 2020. It is said to, uh, to say that West Africa has its own story. That's, well, that's me on there, on, uh, that's yet to have been written. But that you're you're right as far as the bodies and all of that stuff, but they are uncovering data as we can speak to add more to the discussion. I'm not denying to? that at all. What I'm okay. saying is that people are making conclusive arguments on the most meager of evidence. In 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 science, you need a large body of, of samples. To, to come to a remotely conclusive statistics. And so when somebody tells me about four bodies in, in Cameroon, such a large area, and, and these two period times, because it, uh, it should be two bodies from an earlier period and two from a later period. And, and they came to the conclusion in that study that um, the the essentially the Bantu speaking people were not the original of that area. But that's not all of Cameroon. That's this one uh, spot. And we always have to keep this in mind when we're, when we're evaluating stuff. So this is why I say it's not, the, the source material is important, but until you develop the skill set to properly evaluate the source material, Anybody can twist the information any kind of way. And I don't want to, you know, skew the evidence for or against, you know, my um, position. I want it to be strictly, I want to be able to answer it the way it is and be able to say, you know what, we don't know. It's a growing um, body of evidence. And over, and, you know, given some times, we may be able to make more conclusive arguments. But you cannot make a conclusive argument on that small sample size from that one area. Statistically, that is insignificant. And so we always, if we're gonna be serious researchers, we have to we have to look at it and be on that level. But Asal, we go to Nigeria and pull, we go to we go to Cameroon and pull. I mean, we still gotta go other places. You got Morocco in play. Yeah, but you don't have ancient DNA. I'm trying to tell y'all. There's not many ancient DNA um, 
fossils that you can extract uh, from in these places in West Africa. And then you have to get it from so many areas. Because when you say, that's what I say, like people think West Africa is a, a suburb in a city somewhere. <laughs> and not this big ass uh, landmass that the United yeah, States- 2.4 million square miles. Exactly. Like, that's a lot of land to cover. And so it, we'll we'll get the information in the future. Right now, we just don't have it. That's what my argument is. And I just need people to quit making definitive arguments on such meager evidence. Well, who did that? Ain't nobody did that yet. Name was Uncle Cat. Man, I shut up a long time ago when I realized Moose. God damn, I've been dropped though. Let's golf. I'm just messing with you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Where you at, golf field? Come on, man. It got me on the ropes. Where you at? God damn it. Nah, the, th the thing with West Africa that, I mean, we all, we all can, I mean, with how the world is set up as far as information and collecting information, and you're dealing with a lot of oral traditions, it's hard to come up with a concrete answer to a lot of the questions with West Africa in the past. Because even if you look at a time in the 1800s or the 1700s when colonials, I mean, people were part of the whole colonialism stuff. They would come in and they would write the history of what the Africans did. You know, you look at Samuel Johnson, you look at different writers that you have throughout the period. They are writing their version of what they feel happened with the, um, the oral traditions and add on to what they want. So I think genetics, in my opinion, plays a strong role no matter how much samples people may have, is we're acting like West Africa is like a is like a small vacuum in all of this. <laughs> the place was there; it existed. People lived there. They moved around. No big deal. I don't. I don't see what the time, like what Shamarka Kater would say, you genetics will tell you the least. Well, because people people are looking at markers that are like forty thousand years old. And, and trying to make arguments um, as if the presence of a particular marker that's 40,000 years old um, indicates, you know, the, the place of origin. It's like, I, you know. No, nah, that's, that's crazy, um, because everybody comes from one spot. In Africa, we could trace the, um, the whole genome to one area. So we can't say we come from, everybody comes from the landmass that we call Africa today, if we want to be technical anatomical modern day humans we could always say We're that talking about that far back but but no no no, no. the reason when you say forty thousand, that's like a cop-out because we know markers we know people have sequences within their dna that mutates and when it mutates it becomes another haplogroup yeah so but you can't date you could do that there are testing that people no, can you 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 are fit I'm, I'm, let me let me break this down for you first of all all right mathematics is not science Let's, let's get this clear. Mathematics is logic. It is deductive. A lot of what you're seeing in a lot of these scientific papers are statistical estimations in times. It's not factual. Mathematics is not facts. And until people get this in their head and understand the process, you know, you'd be making all kinds of claims. You don't want to be that person. 
Well, you don't want that to be used as a soundbite because you just said mathematics is not facts. It's not facts. It's not facts. Yo, two plus two is four, and that's two four. No, but see, in mathematics, there's a proof for two plus two equals four. No, but you just said mathematics is not facts. Mathematics is not science. You said it's not facts. No, it's not a fact. And a mathematics is an abstraction. Mathematics is used as a model to show the relationship between facts. Yeah, but yeah, it, it produced facts. Math is not facts. Does mathematics produce facts? No, mathematics doesn't produce anything. That's oh, not true. Come on, come on, bro. Evidence produced facts. Material things. No, mathematics is not a facts. thing. Check it out. If you got four sticks on the ground, if you're trying to calculate four sticks on the ground, evidence didn't produce the four. Evidence didn't produce the facts that there are four sticks on the ground. There would have to actually be sticks on the ground. Yeah, math but now we're trying to deduct. We listen listen to what I'm saying. How many math, the numbers are an abstraction. At that point, when you're making that calculation, evidence becomes irrelevant at that point. You got the evidence. This is a number of sticks on the ground, an X variable. Let me, let me calculate let me, the fact of how many of them are there. Listen, counting is an abstraction. And, and I don't know how else to explain this. Probably got to source that up. Probably got to source up on that. No, we I'm don't disagree there. But I said you wouldn't want someone to use that as a soundbite because you said math ain't facts. And so you're given a great demonstration on what you math, know. Math is not a fact. But it, it, it shows the relationship. It produces is facts. So math is facts. So like, so for example, <laughs> I have on this, I, I have open in my hand branches of Asanteism by Dr. Abdul Kareem Bangura. Dr. Abdul Kareem Bangura. I had him on my show. He has five PhD, one in political science, one in mathematics, one in computer science. One in linguistics, and I forgot the other one. But in his article on African mathematization, he provides a good definition in, in terms of, uh, he's showing the relationship between linguistics and mathematics. <laughs> and so he says in this paragraph on page 177, Thus, linguistics can generally be defined as the scientific study of language, while mathematics can be generally defined as the systematic study of change, quantity, relation, space, structure, and other topics dealing with entity, form, and pattern. Math is what you use to describe phenomena and the relationship between phenomena. It itself, to itself, doesn't mean anything outside of a relationship to um, an object. And then even the concept of the object itself is subjective. Because we could talk about two sticks, but then how many cells of that stick are, are present? No, you're making a very good point. And he, everything he said, I think, was true. But we have to keep in mind you can use mathematics to calculate yourself to the moon, okay? And it's the fact that you will arrive there once you arrive there. 
But that so, is based on the idea that uh, that is based on a, a number of experimentations. See, this is why, for example, when Einstein did his theory uh, or created his formula, uh, E equals MC squared, energy equals mass uh, times uh, the speed of light squared. And it's actually talking about rest mass. That although it made sense logically, it still was not a proven thing because in science, they rely on evidence and mathematics is not science. I keep trying to tell folks. Oh, well, I hear I hear you in that regard. Math would be superior to science because it produces. It's not a, it's not an issue of superior or no, not. I'm just saying. They're all tools. There is a better tool than something. What do you mean? And math is the one that can get you there. Like the tool you using to find out, so to speak, uh, whether West Africa, if math had a chance at it, I'm pretty sure it would produce factual results. You see what I mean? And not a lot of putting, uh, pointing two and two together. Because you're trying to put two and two together without using mathematics. You're going to use linguistics and all it's of these things. It's all language. It's just a language. That's what but I'm trying you, to I'm tell just, you. I'm just speaking conceptually. Again. I mean, I'm not speaking, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just saying philo the philosophy of what, we, what you're doing is making an examination through linguistics and and also I'm sure I'm not limiting it to that. I'm sure you use archaeology and the culture and a bunch of other stuff, but it's going to produce results that could only be considered facts, not like mathematics produce facts. Two is still two, four is still four, and, and the moon is still where they calculated it would be a long time ago. So those are real facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Math is a little more deep in science because it produces facts. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, math. It says uh, science. It says science seeks to understand some aspect of phenomenon, and is based on empirical observation. While math seeks to use logic to understand and often prove relationships between quantities and objects, which may relate to no real phenomenon. Science theories may be uh, supported by evidence, but not proven while we can actually prove things in math. Yeah, so yeah. Math, see, people That's use proof. People use proof all out of context. Proof yeah. is, a, is- Nah, man, it's from, hold on. This is from the, uh, hold on now. This is from, this is- man, No, I'm, I'm agreeing with it. What I'm saying is that people use the word proof out oh. of context. Okay. You only can prove something in mathematics and logic. You can't prove anything in science. Right, right, right. You right. know, so this is what I mean. Like people, people right. want to talk about methodology and science and don't know, they don't deal with this stuff every day. And, and this is kind of but who wrote that? Who, 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 what were you reading? Who, what, whose writing were you reading, huh? Uh, I was reading um, the blog, oh, hell, Pete, shit. Uh, hold on, let me get it. Oh, shit. Live sign? I dealt with Asar enough to know he don't be talking about us when he necessarily saying, you, you, you. I know. And there's a certain time when he is. But I was sort of thinking that. <laughs> right now, he was talking about in particular the art writer of this article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I assume. I'm going to share my screen if I can. Uh, let me take my Go ahead. Yeah, the live signs, when it, it was also talking about how. Yeah, he was. He was reading live science, yo. No, I wasn't. There's a, 
There's another article. There's another article that it just it, yeah, it's people misuse proof. Yeah, and and, and this is just I, I just typed in math is not science, and you'll get a whole bunch of 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 articles and things of this nature. And here's just one. Um, it's a WordPress site, but it, you you'll find the same things in any of these articles. And I like what it's saying here. It says, "Why do people think math is science?" The short version of the answer is because. Media science. What'd you say? We want to let you read. Sorry. Let me start finish. That was a good one, though, right, Sean? Yeah, it's a good let one. Let him read the article, blood. I know he's, yeah, he's not dove in. I was trying to figure out what was the name of it, Sean. Hold on, I'm letting him read my fault. Uh, hold on. I necessarily don't agree with the fact that math ain't science. I do remember hearing math ain't facts. Pull up that article. No. Math is like science, only with proof. Um, that's the title of the article from... Um, yeah, that's that was my uh, objection to Smash. I was like, math is not... I'm, like, I'm, I'm thinking... Yeah, well, I, I you gotta... You see, see, this is what I... I think facts is what, what you're saying. Yeah, math is not facts. That's why, like, when, when yes. Unc... Listen, when yes. Unc read what he read, y'all may have glossed over a critical thing in what it said. It said that often math um the, the conclusions of math will be supported by um uh evidence or experiments but in in many of the cases it does not because in order to do math you can do math with things that don't even exist yeah i mean because I'm it's logic Look, that's what i'm trying I'm to get people to understand math is logic I didn't think we'd go this far on it, but I do agree. I hear everything you point out, but I just simply what I said at first that started this was someone to use that as a soundbite against you. The way you and they use it as a soundbite. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. Hey, I'm hey. correct in saying math ain't facts because math ain't figured out. Math is the system, but it does produce results. I can't think for everybody. I can't. Hey. I can't be in people's households and when. Studying and things of that nature. All right, so so listen to this. But let me complete my reading, though. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. You read two thoughts already, so you read for me. I didn't read anything. I read the first two words, and y'all started talking. Ah, you read. So now the short version of the answer is because one, many scientists use a lot of math. And two, a whole lot of math was discovered in order to answer a scientific question. Someone once asked Sir Isaac Newton if the mass of a planet could be considered to be concentrated uh, in the center of mass. He answered in the affirmative. And in order to do so, he invented at least part of integral calculus. Both scientists and mathematicians perform exhaustive calculations. This makes them seem similar to people. One of the most mathematical fields, however, is economics. One of the humanities, one of the primary tools that mathematicians use in proving things is formal logic. Formal logic is one of the fields within philosophy. Another uh, humanity, Alfred North Whitehead and Bertrand Russell tried to prove that all math could be deduced by first order logic. Godel's incompleteness theorem showed this was not possible, but the proof Godel constructed illustrates that mathematics is more similar to formal linguistics than any of the natural sciences. A new piece of mathematics, or it says the contrast between math and science. A new piece of mathematics starts with a guess at something that might be true called a conjecture. 
Some conjectures are resolved quickly by the person that proposed them. Others last for centuries. Fermat's theorem, for example, was actually a conjecture for over 350 years. It wasn't a fact until it was finally proved until in 1995. Contrast this with the law of universal gravitation. This law was never proved logically. Rather, it agrees very well with numerous observations. It's also slightly wrong in some odd circumstances. Proven mathematical theorems are beyond question. The laws discovered by science are really good approximations that are often false in some circumstances or in small ways. The certainty of math arises from its completely abstract nature. It's what is completely abstract nature. A mathematical theorem never makes a statement about reality, which means it can't be a fact. A theorem connects a statement about what the situation is to a result of the situation. The fundamental theorem of arithmetic says every whole number of factors into prime is going into some other stuff. But the point is- Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just point out. You said a mathematical theorem. We all know that's not a math, any mathematical equation. Yeah, a theorem and the root word, the theorem is a theory. So let's not go there. We talk about mathematical. What are you talking about here? This is the actual sentence I read. The certainty of math arises of math uh, of certainty of math arises from this completely abstract nation. I'm sorry. Read the part about the mathematical theorem is what they're talking about. Like the Pythagoras and theorem, we're into a different math. But if we talk about just the it result, is, listen, all things are proven for it to be a uh, a quote unquote reality in mathematics. It has to have a proof to them. Okay, and it's from the proof that, and then some, you know, go on to the theorem. They're all the same. It, it's it's um. Uh -huh. and the theorem embodies a larger body of proofs. Uh huh. Exactly. And that's but not I, necessarily. But listen, what, listen to what it says right beforehand. The certainty mm -hmm. of math arises from its completely abstract nature. It's abstract. Mm -hmm. It's not. Okay. It's not a. It's not. It doesn't represent reality. And but, but the certainty is arise from that. I'm sorry. The, and the certainty of it is allowed to arrive from that. That's not a negative, that is abstract. The certainty of it, the pinpoint precision of mathematics is allowed because it is abstract. No, the, the, the pinpoint is because it's logic. And so I wish I had my other, uh, my books with me. And I, and I would show you, uh, I would cite from you this page that talks about, for example, proofs. See, in science, a, a, an argument can be later proved to be wrong because, because of the falsifiability aspect of the uh, scientific method and things. In mathematics, once, once something has been proved, it cannot be unproved. You would never come up in, in the future and say that this is, is not proved. So is that what can be unproven or cannot be this falsified a fact? It is, it is not, it cannot be, uh, a proof cannot be falsified in mathematics. And it was, would that be considered a fact? No, the fact is 
the result, but the math itself is not a fact. You're right. You're right. The math is the equations that we got there. But then after the equal sign, if the equation was correct, is, is what lies after the equal sign in any mathematical equation, the result or the sum, if correct, is that a fact? It is true. If, if the equations are okay. true. Okay, so the truth ain't a fact? <laughs> hey, hey, so it says- Not necessarily. Let's oh, look up let fact. Me, no, the truth jump in here is for a fact, second. bro. You know I deal with it. Oh, <clears throat> let, me, let me jump in here for a second. Okay, so what is, what is negative six plus negative two? Negative six minus negative is a negative four. No, uh, negative six. You said negative, negative six minus negative, uh, or you said, I'm sorry. Negative six plus negative two is negative eight. Didn't I just say negative four? He said, said negative, negative four, but it's negative eight because I added it together. You said so, negative six plus a plus. Um, negative. Oh, okay, plus a negative. Yeah. So does negative eight exist? No, it does not. <laughs> Negative eight does not exist, but this is mathematics. So there's no such thing as negative eight apples. Because negative eight apples cannot exist as in reality. Therefore, it cannot be a fact, but it's mathematics. So it's okay for mathematics not to be facts. It's okay. It doesn't make it any less relevant. It doesn't make it any less important. Good question. So that... Okay. So, well, hold, hold on. But do y'all get the point? Well, you get Sean point. Talk about game. I want to hear what Garfield said before I say what my response because, yeah, along the lines of that logic, negative eight does exist if you have a total before. Right here, yo. No, negative eight does not exist. I got a better one. Okay. So, so you got positive eight doesn't exist. So add, add negative eight to 20 apples and how many apples you got? No, apples exist. The number eight doesn't. Yeah, but the apples exist as a fact. But when you but remember, it's an abstract. By the missing amount, it's not always. It's only. I'll put it. Okay, okay. Let's let's put it like this way. You cannot. Santa Claus. Santa Claus is an abstraction. Is Santa Claus a fact? Listen, if you start with 20 yes, apples, question. if no, you start with 20 apples, we're still talking about something else before you propose that. No, start with it's, the same, apples, it's the same logic. And add negative eight to it. How many apples you got? Santa Claus. Now, see, you're talking about whole numbers, okay? I'm talking about integers here. Negative, can you have negative eight apples? Yes or no? No, you cannot, but you okay. can. But however, however, we're talking about negative eight. Negative eight is in mathematics. We're yeah, talking about philosophical logic. argument. But it's really, me? You got, trust me, it only, it, it is really a thing. Negative eight is really a thing. Like that's not but, a thing. It's, so you wouldn't be so by that same logic, Santa Claus is really a not, thing. not necessarily. Matter of fact, true. Jesus, since this is no, twenty for twenty. Okay, all thing I'm doing is talking about logic. It's just logic. Negative eight to Santa Claus is crazy, bro. You can't even start that. Anyone listening to this would be like you just took a step down from all the knowledgeable things. I mean, no, but, but the point. Just listen to the point. 
Yeah, yeah. Like you said, that's uh, a mathematical negative eight. Negative eight does not exist as a fact. Can, can I give y'all some clarity here, please? Let's give it some clarity. So this, this is the understanding science, the science checklist applied to mathematics. It says two, uh, two plus two equals four may not be rocket science, but is it science? Math is frequently associated with science and is certainly relied upon by scientists. The pages of any modern biologist, chem, uh, chemistry, physics, geology, and psychology journal are peppered with calculations, statistics, graphs, and mathematical models, but how much like science is math itself? And it says the answer depends on one philosophical's views on the nature of mathematics. And in this area, the philosophies and mathematicians have not reached the consensus. For example, some view mathematics as a set of rules we've constructed for manipulating abstract entities, entities which may or may not have a relation to the real world. Others view mathematics as the deeply embedded structure of the natural world itself, which must be discovered, just as protons, neutrons, and electrons were discovered. Many other views of mathematics also exist. Here we consider these common views of mathematics and use the science checklist to see how similar mathematics and science really are. And it tells, it gives us the, the checklist examples are focused on the natural world and how you deal with math and then aims to explain the natural world and how you deal with math. And then uh, you use uh, testable ideas and how that relies. And then, you know, you deal with your evidence and, and, and involve the scientific community. Like it depends on what we're actually speaking to that, that will prove a saw's point and that will uh, also prove what Smash is saying as well, depending <laughs> on what we're looking at. I don't think it's that negative eight or positive eight uh, exist or don't exist. I think it's the things that they're calculating that become fact. And so again, but that's just what I said. But 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 okay, I never said I said we didn't disagree on totality. Remember, I just said we was focused on the point that you said math ain't fact. And but so math is not math I said, itself. Is, I said people could use that as a soundbite against you because math produces facts. But I, listen, with, what, I, what I'm trying to get you to understand is you can't be afraid of people misquoting you, no matter how. Oh yeah, that's not a problem. But but it started a wonderful conversation. Let's deal with it where we are at now. Because think about it, the val. I mean, I, what Sanjay proposes has a lot of weight on it, but. Negative eight is no less fact than positive. But, hold on, hold on. It's something that has to be calculated. That's the medium. Negative eight is no more less real than positive eight. You see what I'm saying? No, no. I, I no. Hold on. I just. I, mm, no. Okay. Explain I'm, I'm sorry, how it is. Pam, listen, right, listen. Because you have to logically make it sense, man. It, it's it's, a, it's about logic. You have to, it yeah. has to logically make sense. It, it makes sense logically. That's that's right. that's why I wanted to uh, well, read this. Yeah, but there's, there's no, there's no. Hold on, but this is this is why I have to this as negative. Why? Because this is why. Let me show y'all why. Do any of y'all deal with the stock market? How many of y'all trade? I just started again. Okay, dude. Well, you're gonna learn that negative eight is a real thing. Okay. No, hold on. No, wait, hold on. See, you you get it confused. Hold on. When calculating value. 
Negative A to Hold on. Let's 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 clarify. It's still an abstraction. You're you're misconstruing. Okay. So let, let's 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 clarify so we can move forward with understanding. I didn't say you can't use negative eight. I yeah, said negative no. eight. Yeah. Negative eight does not exist in the physical world. That's why on the stock market you're looking at screens, computer but, screens. But you're not looking at negative eight exactly dollars. I'm you not, can't put negative eight. You can't put it's, negative it's, eight dollars on the table. But hold on, that's that's exactly my point on what Sean was reading earlier when they went to try to make the argument that. Uh, and I know we haven't. Y'all got the logic. This, but I want to. But because I want you to, guys are proposing that because it's negative, it has less. Listen, smash. No, 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 listen, no, listen, no, 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 no. Listen, that is not. The negative eight does not have no less indicator or value than the positive eight. I mean, you know what no, I mean? No, they it's both have the same value on the number line. It's called exactly. absolute value. It's called absolute value. But let's move on. Listen, I didn't say that negative eight does not have a significance. I just said that it doesn't exist in the physical world. That's okay? like I don't That's know how, how hard is that to to understand. It's not hard it to understand. Doesn't exist in your life. Seem not to be economic because money and numbers rule the world. So what are you talking about? Negative eight don't exist in the real world. When we live oh, in, hold on, I just said smash, smash, come on, come on, fam. You making it, you, you making it more difficult than it needs to be. Difficult, and you don't have to. Trade and commerce. Listen, listen. And you're saying negative eight don't exist. I put it okay. Let's let's put it like this. Can you go out into nature and find me the number eight? And if so, what are the properties of number eight? No. I can't find you the number eight, but I can find you eight things, just like I said. <laughs> but didn't we say that eight, it needs an object? In order to get to negative eight, I would Exactly. It is a property. It's I just like, it's just like energy. Hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. We got to stop here. You don't need physical objects in order for you to deal with the number eight. That's the whole point. It's about it's an abstraction no, because no, I can no, I can write a paper. I can I hear listen, you so dirty. I you can get a paper and write the number eight. I know, but it doesn't mean you have question. eight items. You I'm dealing with his question. He asked, could I walk into the world and find him an eight? He and it's no paper, and the answer is no. And, and the answer is no because eight doesn't exist. It's an but abstraction, it's an idea. That's why it. That's why mathematics is logic. It is not you're, science. So you're on my side because I said eight was the same as negative eight, and you agreeing right now. No, because if they if listen if if eight was the same as negative eight, it would either be eight or it would be negative eight. But oh, negative eight and eight are two different numbers. Okay, but quantitatively they represent opposite spectrums of the same thing. It's not necessarily opposite spectrums. Quantitatively, they are opposites. Oh, okay. All right. So the, the point here is this. I want to get back to the stock market. Well, hold on. Let, let us them off on that we, point, can though. Finish what we're saying. No, but y'all didn't let us finish about the stock market part. That was valuable. Yeah, because we talk. are talking economically. Yeah, no, but it's you. You're he's making it more difficult because all you're doing in a stock market is listen, listen. Any economy, negative negative integers are real. No, we didn't yeah. say that you don't use them. Okay, in, in this, can't in, use in, them. we're saying they don't exist in the physical realm. That's why you're always looking at. What is that in the physical realm? 
what it is is you in the physical realm it's deductive reasoning you're deducting stuff and you're and how is that reason by, by negative calculations it is right. not listen 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 you already you listen the listen. argument ended once you said that you can't find the number eight out in nature but I was saying that, that it doesn't that exist. Argument, I agree. And I, I okay, so that. there's there's nothing to argue about here. Well, it's an think, abstraction. I, I think we're trying to line up our ideologies because again, if we're saying if we're standing on if we would go into an argument that you know I'm saying these things uh again aren't real or they don't have yes. facts, but that's why so far. Listen, listen, when when I uh, had this big debate online about energy. People was running around saying the word energy as if it was a physical thing that exists. Energy doesn't exist. It is a property of matter. It is a, it is a mathematical abstraction to describe a property of matter and its potential to move or its actual movement. Or to be able to do work. Energy doesn't exist. The number eight doesn't exist. It's just like height doesn't exist. You can't yeah, go out in nature. Listen, listen. You can't go out in nature. Listen, listen. Can, can, you, can, you, can you go out in nature and find me height? You made that point already. Okay, so it's like, I don't know what, what, what the argument, there is no but. What we're saying here is that mathematics is an abstraction. It is not science. It is logic. And, and we, we can find tons of sources who makes this argument. Matter of fact, I'm looking at a, uh, I have it on the screen here, and I'm going to stop sharing the screen. A scientific fact is a repeatable, careful observation or measurement by experimentation or other means, also called empirical evidence. So when we're talking about science, you can't do that. You can't you can't equate science, the scientific fact, with mathematics. Yes. I can't hear you because you're a cutoff artist today. You're like, God damn, let somebody else say something. Shit. First of all, y'all have cut me off. I don't know how many times in this show. Never cut you off. Go back and listen to the tape, yo. Brother, I, I I I guarantee you, when you listen to the tape, you you will see me starting to um, uh, talk, and then y'all just have a whole different conversation. About I mean, it's a good, healthy conversation, so I like it. Old school armor squad. Exactly, y'all see uh, what's name Garfield have y'all believe in Santa Claus is real in Jesus, and 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 for his twenty for twenty, so let me break it down. So again, don't disrespect value because math is great at calculating value, and that's one of the most reasons why we need it. And if you if you trade in value, negative negative numbers are real. People get nations get killed and taken down over negative numbers. Yeah, that's so, that's like, but it's a subjective thing. It's yeah, it's, it's it's like, like it's like it's like saying it's um, disrespect. Whatever the trade item is. Yeah, listen, oh, listen. Let's do, hold on, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Just all right, Jonathan. Just so we can move on. I, I just need you to just acknowledge that I said that because an abstraction is there, I didn't say that it's not used. Negative eight does not exist in the physical realm. However, it is used. 
I, I acknowledge that you said that, my brother. And then I would like you to say that positive eight ain't used in the physical realm. It's the same exact thing for positive eight. That's all I'm saying. Unless you have objects you either deducting from or quanti quantifying, you see what I'm saying? Then they're all just numbers in the air. Yeah, I mean, okay. But I also want you to recognize that there's no such thing as negative eight apples. That's not necessarily true, but whatever. Again, I mean, it's okay. There's no such thing as negative apples. If you started with there's no such thing as negative apples. apples. If you started with 300 apples and you got 292 apples, how many are missing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not you, talking about subtraction. Negative problem. eight is still the no, numbers are still mm -hmm, doing what no. they did in every instance. Now that you're using a subtraction about. problem. I'm not. I didn't bring up a subtraction problem. All I gave was was called an imaginary number. The mathematics. And the fact is called imaginary for a it's reason. It's called imaginary <laughs> number. I, I, we, we understand that. I, I understand. I'm not. I'm okay. not. The reason they call it imaginary numbers, i.e., unreal numbers, is because mm -hmm. they're not real. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you can't use them. I need you okay. to acknowledge so I, that part. I, I, I got that part. I, I understand that clearly. You know that's, not so, hard, that's not hard to grasp. That's not getting around yeah, what he, I said. You know what I'm saying? Saying? Well, brother, it is saying getting around what you said. No, Y'all just it's don't. Y'all just want Jesus to exist. Response to that. It's not getting around eight. my response. My response to that was eight exists in the same regard. Oh, well, negative eight and positive eight is 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 just talking about relationships on the lumber line. Exactly, exactly. but it, okay. everything is just said about to negative zero eight is could be said about zero. positive eight. Right, but negative. Right, so you oh, know. Okay, that so negative. There's no such thing as negative eight apples, but you can have eight apples. I, I hear that. I hear that because we're talking about something. Be, uh, something uh, objects that we're quantifying again and once you get to zero there's no more objects to quantify but if you have over zero negative is real you're just getting shit taken away from you it's but, <laughs> no you're talking no, about subtraction i'm not talking right. about subtraction somebody go to jail how many years is taken off their life that's a negative that's real there, there, gotta, there's that's a figurative statement yeah the 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 correct thing is how many how many years uh, absent uh, in terms of their freedom in the in in a normal everyday uh, world? Um, it has 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 gone. It's not right, it's not negative. Right. They're still living in yeah, in time right. into the future. Arrive, we're going to arrive at the result of that by calculating using mathematics and coming to a fact of exactly how long they've been in jail, regardless of what you're talking about. It's still an abstraction. <laughs> but still, but but it's a fact. Is funny man, y'all is funny. Hold on, let me let me say this. I've been laughing the whole time. Saw real quick. So saw you. We 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 know that energy is a measurement, correct? Yes. Okay, but it's a it, it's a tangible thing. Okay, then what are its properties? And my I'm saying the properties is if I smack the shit out of somebody, they gonna move. So the thing is, you the only way you know how much that's that's not a property oh, of energy. Me off in the middle of what I'm saying, I told you. Because you're right. messing up stuff already, <laughs> just all really nearly but all me, wrong. But let me mess it up though. I want to be able to mess up, and then you correct me. But let me mess up. Hell, I'm saying is, if you smack the shell somebody and they fall on the ground, you can measure the amount of energy was that was in your blow. 
but but you can't tell a person that wasn't real. They lip busted. They knocked out. It was real. No, was the hitting the hitting them in the face was real. Energy itself is not real. That's why I asked you for a property. What's its what's its shape? What is its weight? What is it made out of? How many atoms is in an energy? Well, you know, in an energy jury. You know, it's transferred, right? Energy. No, is no, no. You, it's it's a limitation of language. But I'm just it, saying, it's, it's transferred from one one. Right. Listen, listen. Well, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Listen, it, it's it's you. You can use the word converted or whatnot. Okay. So when we talk about like, for example, sunlight, which turns into chemical energy, mm -hmm. which turns into food, which then can turn into mechanical energy in a living organism, for example. The, it's you're just describing different types of movement, but you're not you what what you aren't doing is describing what energy is. There's no there's if energy was real and a thing, it would be made of atoms or or it would if if you subscribe to the you know um, uh, the the plane system, you know it'd be an agitation of a plane. So like you know. Um, uh, when you when you talk about a field like with, with quantum field theory, you know, like light is just a uh, photons agitation of, you know, the electromagnetic field, for example, like a graviton for the gravity field, et cetera, et cetera. So when you when you talk about energy, it would have to be made up of something it, it, you can that you can uh, that we would use numbers to calculate in terms of, for example, how many neutrons and electrons are in its orbital or something like this. It doesn't, that's not how energy is used. And so like people have this hard time. This is why like uh, people don't grasp science really well because we're, our, we have evolved, listen to what I'm saying. We have evolved to try to concretize everything. But it's all, I'm simply saying that, that you can't say energy is not real. Right. It's a measurement though. You that's why that's because you knocked it on the ground and you bleeding. Listen, when when I asked Smash, where can you find height in nature? It's it's it's, it's acting almost in a similar fashion. Oh, uh, you it's mean the same like way? Relative, like it's relative to what what you're dealing with. It's 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 just a it's an abstraction. It's a measurement oh, okay, in your so head. It's not height. Right? Height is not a thing. That you can go and and get and measure and it and it's consistent so, of certain so atoms and, and cold, things. Then, am I correct? So hot and cold is on the same thing, correct? Yeah, because that's relative. Okay, all right, all right, okay. These are because those are physical. These are properties mm -hmm. of, of matter. So when you talk about what is hot, what you're doing is calculating the speed at which um, the atoms are moving in a particular type of material or substance, or cold. Now we feel a physical sensation when we touch the things, but this is why, again, we got to learn the difference between a property of something, which is an abstraction, and the thing itself. I give an example. Let's take blood pressure, all right? So I'm just pulling from my own field. So when you deal with blood pressure, you deal with um, systolic and diastolic. So you get the top number and you got the bottom number. So they'll tell you that the average is 120 over 80, right? Um, which you technically want to be below 120, but that's a whole other topic. So the measure is, um, say, like 120 mm. millimeters of mercury. Okay, so it's 
you know, MM and then HG, HG, which is on the periodic table based on another abstraction. <laughs> we do have abstraction, but we don't have quantities. But anyway, so what that pressure is, is how far in distance can that, can the atoms push mercury in a tube in a distance? The distance being milliliters, millimeters, excuse me. So eventually that becomes an abstraction later because it's a measurement talking about the relationship. So when I'm dealing with, let's say, a patient and I need to administer medication, I have to use, now I have to use logic. Because if this patient's blood pressure, let's say, is um, 179 over 117, I can't give certain medication. Mm -hmm. So I got to use logic. Oh, logically, I have to get the person's pressure down so that I can do this. Because hypothetically or logically, I can't do such and such based on scientific evidence because of certain things that happened in the past. Do I know that if I get this person's blood pressure down now that they can take this medication without any issues? Technically, I don't know that. Mm. I'm only going off of logic, which yeah. is an abstraction. So. I can use abstractions which don't actually exist in as a fact in order to have a certain outcome because I know that more than likely statistically, which is another abstraction, I can use this yeah, because I've seen it because I witnessed it work. So this goes back to Smash's uh, uh, example of a stock market. So there's numbers and things that don't actually exist, but I can use them to my advantage. But Sajetti, you, you on the saw is talking to white man talk though. Yeah, and hold on, hold on. You the first one <laughs> on some evolution type stuff and we argue with the community. And <laughs> but check this out. But watch this. Even the white man stuff. Yeah, but I, I, but I bet you, I bet you come, <laughs> somebody come see me and you know they they done passed out. Let's see how much we're thinking about white man stuff when <laughs> I only have one minute to save your life when I'm doing CPR. Yeah, that's a fact. But you know how people say in the community, you, you hit them with some something with some deep thought and you got to really figure it out. That's thinking as well as the white man did that. When we know where math uh, kind of comes from. So I just want to, you know, I, I don't want to stay right there, but that was a good conversation. That's basically how we do it. We ain't agreeing with everything. We're going to hash it out. And, and, yeah. and, and so, yeah, and that's- it, it's, it's the Fight Club. That, fight Club. Uh, uh, Smash and, uh, <laughs> and, and Naya and them was talking about earlier. Fight. Yeah, you know how we do. Yeah, that's how we do. Yeah, we gonna, so I don't know what we're gonna fit at on that Jabari issue. So I don't know how we, I don't know. Matter of fact, we taking over Dagger Squad. It's gonna be the Armin Dagger Squad show. <laughs> This day on, <laughs> diving in whenever you go dive off, Phil. <laughs> Jesus ain't real, no matter what you say, no matter how many white people you bring on here to back that up. She's not real. Hell no. Anyway, anyway, the Ewa people left figurines all the way from West Africa all up until 
the white man area, dude, of mm -hmm. Nana. They, yeah, they awesome. left some of the most archaeological evidence of anybody trying to connect West Africa to Kenya all the way through the... Uh, yeah, you killed me. That's in your book, okay. game. That's in your book, yeah, right? Yeah, it's in my book in the article about the mother goddess El Shaddai. Damn, I knew it. I'm slipping. Because I knew it. Was, I was hoping you ain't open your damn mouth. You opened your mouth. <laughs> you just answered the question. Damn. I ain't mean to ask that shit. Yeah, I got yeah, I got to fall on that side. That's crazy. I forgot about the mother goddess though. That was in the damn right. the mother goddess. And we went to the damn museum and we seen it. It was crazy as hell. Yeah, uh, we, we was in New York Museum of Natural History, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they found, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's starting. That's starting West Africa. Now, yeah, they now, had it. Yep, yep. They had they had the figurines there. Remember, you was breaking it down. You was like, yeah, that's the such such band to come, and they had it all over too. It was crazy as hell. Yeah, damn. I mean, but I don't want to get sued though, and y'all can beat me up though, so I'm gonna throw this out here. What about the times when, see, we always imagine the Nile and the Sierra, uh, the Sahara being how it is now, but do anybody believe there was a time when it was actually fertile and wasn't so hard to traverse? And maybe even let me throw this out there that the Nile might have ran west, like Herodotus proposed in his writings. Yeah, really. uh, it, it's not it's not even a hypothetical. It's, it it's all kind of scientific journal articles and books. Yeah. I cite some in uh Alluja volume two um regarding the Sahara. There's man, there's there's like whole books on the, the, the fertile Sahara and the monsoon rains and the whole process of how the desertification. Matter of fact, that's how you get um a, a lot of the travels from um even the Middle East into the Delta because of the, the desertification, the redesertification process. It had people scrambling trying to find water. What about comments on uh, Herodotus saying that the Nile ran west at one time? It's possible. I, I, haven't, I haven't kept up with any scholarship on that specific point on Herodotus and the Nile west. But we do know that, like in, in one of the sources that I use in Alluja Volume 2, that uh, the now at this point was not privileged. It was just like a normal every, you know, just a normal river because there were so many others and lakes. And, you know, when you think about, for example, the great uh, mega Chad, like Chadwick Lake was a lot. It was, you know, like its own country, how, how big it was, you know, um, and going into those parts. And then of course, this the stuff dried up when the monsoon rains um, after the last glacial period ended because it, it drew all the moisture uh, from that area. And so the monsoon stopped coming north and the, the, the Sahara and, and the Middle East started drying up again. And so it goes through these cycles every so often. You know? yeah, yeah, they got satellite imagery that shows it was ancient lake beds and rivers all connecting. Like if you're familiar with Lake Megachad, y'all can look it up. Uh, Lake Megachad. So, so based off of satellite imagery, they know that all these ancient lakes and stuff was actually connected together. It wasn't just the Nile. A lot mm -hmm. of waterways so people could travel back and forth. And so, yeah, that's a, yeah, you, you can actually look that up. So that's, so Saw answered that part about, of course, the, the Sahara dried up and was, and, and, it, and it was back and forth based off of the, uh, the tilt wobble of the earth. Okay, the rain, the monsoons. Right, and prior to that, the river systems was all connected. So I'm just trying to feel how the hell would, would, would Herodotus know 
that these rivers was traveling in certain direct. That's crazy because they was. And it's, and, and it's right there. You can see it. You can pull up a whole map and they got the satellite imagery of all these different maps and they got them actually, you know, they, they, they you know, they give you the names. It's crazy. So that's, that, that's all there. So yeah, people was traveling waterways all in the Sahara, the whole nine yards. It's not, it's not what we think mm -hmm. today. So they, so right, people, and don't forget that, uh, you know, at 160,000 years uh, during the ice age, Africans traveled all the way from the Rift Valley, Ethiopia, all the way down to South Africa, found the coast. And then when, when it got better, they started, they, they end up migrating back to West Africa in all different points. So this is what gets me, how people can, can understand and will in one breath say that the Africans left Africa and literally walked right. around the world and settled and created uh, groups of people. But then you start talking about migrations from Sudan or Egypt to West Africa, then all of a sudden that's too far to walk. And it's interesting because for example, the, the Zande people who live in uh, Central African Republic, you know, like right there where Cameroon is, they're not from West Africa, they're from Sudan. Whole group of people. Like people have been migrated like, you know, that's why I can't wait till I publish you know, uh, this book, like people, people be sleeping on Africans. And that's what I'm tired of, the people sleeping on Africans, making it seem like Africans were only able to do certain things once white folks and Arabs came with no technology to do this. You don't need a, a vast amount of technology to walk several months. Matter of fact, in Illusion Volume 2, um, I, I talk about a migration from South Africa uh, all the way to, um, where is it? Uh, hold on one second. And I, and I contrast this with, with people migrating in, in Egypt. Uh, huh. Here we go. So they, they walked from uh, this one place in Maseko, South Africa, all the way to way above where Mozambique and stuff is. They, they, they left from KwaZulu-Natal to a place now called Maseko and Goni, um, but this is in Malawi. And so the, and, and this is a group of people. Um, and so uh, this small village, they walked 2,336 kilometers. That's 1,451 miles, or actually to be more precise, uh, 1,451.523 miles. And so what I started doing was just calculating like how far that is um, and how far you can go. And this was just in a few years, you know, just stopping, chilling for a bit, then going on some more. And so like, if you calculate from Cairo, Egypt to Juba in South Sudan. That's only 2,789 kilometers or 1,733 miles. If you was to take a Southwest direction, roughly about the same distance from Cairo to uh, N'Djamena, that travel distance is 2,595 kilometers or 1,613 miles. You know, if, if you started your point for, let's just say in Aswan, further South in Egypt, and you just travel 1,500 miles, you'd be in Uganda. 
And so roughly this same distance of these folks, and there's no cars at this time, these people just up and left and migrated and settled in Malawi. You know, roughly, um, what is that, 1,500 miles. So you, you know, you, you walk in, that just takes a year or two. And for a group of people, you know, families, it just takes, you know, several months. Yeah. And, and so, you know, again, people, that's why I'm like, y'all, people don't know Africa. Africans migrate and walk. Just because you see the people there today doesn't mean they've always existed there. And you always start off with that axiom when, you, when you're doing your research. Yeah, that's detailed in the destruction of black civilization. But here you go, right here, you got a uh, migration map. And so it's, it's obviously clear that, that, that if you look, just look, to, look in Africa, it's mm -hmm. obviously clear that they migrated all over the continent and they walked around the world. So, I mean, so yeah, it's just time. How long did it take? Um, and but so, so that's not an impossible thing. That's, I mean, we, Homo sapiens sapiens is actually built for walking and running. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, but th this map clearly shows that they walked everywhere. It wasn't like they had cars, buses, and planes. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, they walked everywhere. That's a fact. Walking machine. Matter of fact, it was a guy that actually walked. Damn, I think he walked. I think he was walking around the world. It was crazy. He was actually just was walking. It just take time. That's that's all. If people don't know, like I've known, there's a brother at Texas Southern University. Uh, in Houston when I was in college, who was, I think, protesting uh, police brutality or something like this. And yeah. he walked the United States, like like across the United States, yeah. mm -hmm. either either from New York, like back down to H-Town, or it was like from, from Cali to so. He just walked. Mm -hmm. Like this was one person and it, it just took him several months to, to do it. And I'm like, people act like, you know, because we, we drive today, we take planes. So, you know, us and our laziness due to technology, we can't imagine ourselves walking everywhere. But not everybody was, was, was settled farmers and builders of large civilizations and migrated everywhere. People were just, you know, semi-nomadic. You know, they'll, they'll settle in a, in a part during, for example, um, a dry season or, I mean, uh, a, a rainy season and then go travel somewhere else. In, in different times. And, and the Fulani people have been traveling, you know, between West and East Africa and even the Middle East for millennia. Mm. And, you know, so this is what I mean. Like, I, I just don't get where, what, what the heck are these people studying? You know, when, when they try to make these arguments that th these people weren't traveling and they, they somehow can't travel. Some people have argued that they can't travel, that, you know, the desert is inhospitable. Please, there's the folks who live in the desert. Hey, I don't want to offset the conversation, but I got a question we was having that y'all didn't get a chance to uh, chime in on. I think we was talking about, if my mic is clear, we was talking about how long Jews have been in the area of Kemet, <laughs> uh, historically, not necessarily biblically or anything. And do y'all get, do you got anything in your research to find, uh, what time periods do you have Jewish people in Africa? Well, that's that's a that's a loaded question because you have to establish because there's a there's a difference between people who lived in the Levant and Semitic speaking people and then Jews. Mm -hmm. So we have to have a firm going by that name, going by that name. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't I can't say because there's, there's no evidence in for in my in, in to my knowledge of Jews specifically, right. you know, um, um, living. But we know that there are people from the Levant who have been going and living and settling in Egypt since pre-dynastic times and vice versa. And so that's something else that I cite in Eluja volume two, that the Egyptians had colonies in Egypt, excuse me, the Egyptians had colonies in the Levant in pre-dynastic times. Palestine. Mm -hmm. In Palestine. Yeah. You know, the like- trader, The triangle trade, yeah. So like, you know, when, when we had these discussions on influence and stuff to this nature, we have to keep all of this in, in, in mind. But yeah, Jews, Jews specifically, yeah, that's a hard one. You know, I know that they were in Egypt, you know, or at least been, but even still, they don't necessarily have to be in Egypt because they can be influenced because they were colonized and and and, and certain ideas and things. Because um, like when you read the script, you know, they they start naming stuff in the old testament that you know is is relevant to the language and stuff to that nature in Egypt. So we know that there was some kind of relationship, um, at, at least in these times. But Jews specifically, I don't think you can find an Egyptian text that verifies that Jews were there. Hey, we've been on for over three and a half hours. I'm going to um, wrap it up with you guys, man. Not a 20 for 20. After party on Sean's channel. <laughs> Somebody fire up that channel for the late nights. Alright, Sue take in the chat. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set it up and, and get it going. I'm gonna see y'all the link. No, Eddie, Naya, Flash Rockwell, Sean, Asari, Motep, Anquest. You gotta keep talking, yo. I gotta, I gotta set it up. I need some time. <laughs> <laughs> Give us five. Give me, give me five minutes. Hey, give me five. Give me four. Give me three. Give me two. Give me one, and we out. Of <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thank you guys, man. Appreciate it. I got um, a couple of people coming up in March. Christopher Rollins. I know um, Asar probably are familiar with him. He's a um, he deal with like the Middle East linguistic stuff. What's his name? Christopher Rollins or whatever. So yeah. Hey, so I mean, man, um, a hey, uh, Garfield, man, I appreciate you letting the squad come through, man. I think it was important, and we just wanted to show people how we do, man. We just, you know, we talk, we have conversations, we don't agree with everything, we we, we hash it out, and I think it's an important lesson. It, it ain't personal, man. It's just business, man. And then, shit, if somebody say something to make more sense of what you had, then you gotta you gotta be willing to change that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just part of us learning as homo sapiens sapiens, because that's what homo sapiens sapiens do. So I appreciate, you know, your allowance to come through, man. Appreciate all the brothers and sisters on the squad, man. It's a, um, it's a good thing. And uh, yeah, Jabari, just go ahead and just submit that, man. You know, y'all made that up. It'd be good. No, but Asar, when you read the article, though, you might not like the first paragraph. He actually... He, <laughs> yeah. Did a good job. Yeah, I missed that. That's that's part of the conversation I, I wasn't here for. Well, I think those are two different things that comedic orth, orthology or whatever and, and uh 
African tradition. Uh, you know what I'm saying? The way that they pseudoize it don't got nothing to do with the traditions that come up out of West Africa. And I hope we weren't conflating the two things. No, we were saying uh, I'm kind of confused um, on that whole West African thing. But I mean, it is what it is. It's late. You know, no, but, no, no. You ain't confused on that. We talking about we did the art. You, you got the article, Sim Jetty. Let me send it to you. You can send it. Yeah, send it to me. Is that the, you're not going to read that? The article, the article yeah. that um, Richard Carrier wrote regarding um, Jabari's information. Um, I don't think he had, there's nothing that he said in it that I would disagree with as far as the information and the methodology. Um, as far as the whole chemitism, I'm not, I don't know, I'm kind of half asleep. So I'm not even concerned too much about how people different, you know, class us or whatever. You're always going to have people having misinformation regardless as far as saying chemitism. And I do get what Sanjay was saying earlier as far as, you know, asking somebody who is in the craft and what they're doing. So when you're using terminologies, you might be misusing it and not using it the right way. So I think Asar also addressed that as far as um, you know, chemitism and all that stuff. But See, I think what they don't understand is that for African people, when we do scholarship, you know, white people can separate themselves from the scholarship that they do. When Africans do scholarship, it's for the purpose of advancing our community. And so a lot of times when people are doing this research, they're doing it to uh, improve their lives in some form or fashion. Whether they, you know, they, they internalize this in terms of spirituality, whether it's uh, economics or something to that nature. So he can't separate for the people, like why would, you know, uh, somebody like a, a, a Jabari or equivalent you know, be attaching themselves and wanting to recreate because that's not what we do in the African world community. When we, when we do something, when we research, it is always for the advancement of uh, our, our agenda and our people. There's no, there's no separation, like, you know, knowledge for knowledge sake. Mm. And, and, that's the, and that's the difference. And so if you don't come with that framework and that understanding, you won't understand a Jabari or anybody that does what they do. Yeah, and, and, and to add to that point, you know, we're studying, you know, even myself, when I'm reading comedic literature, I'm looking for inspiration. And I find it all the time. What principles can I use and adapt to my current thinking and situation now. I find it all the time. Um, you know, ethics and morals. Because if we criticize, and I'm talking about from a, from a philosophical, it could be religious or ethical standpoint, if we criticize and say, well, you Christians, you got everything from African people. All these religions got all the stuff from African people, and then many will hone in on Kimmy. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, as far as I my per personally, at least the Muslim can quote his own Quran, right? At least the Christian can quote his or her own literature in the New Testament. How many, and, and I mean this as not a way to 
attack. So I don't want no one using that. But how many people in the comedic tradition, now I'm talking about among African-Americans and Africans on the continent who do as well, can quote comedic literature, but it's off the top of the dome. So this is something that I criticized myself and then I sought to be the change that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So I can quote comedic literature off the top of the, off the top of my head. Can I can I ask Sanjay and Asar a question? And, oh, and, and Phil, that's different. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a different hold on, issue. Hold on, hold on, hold on, one second. Okay, you know what? Finish this issue, and then I'll ask the question. No, I'm saying that's a different issue with a person quoting comedic literature or West African or whatever. It's different from taking it and doing what the Hebrews do. They make these crazy ass outfits. All that shit ain't. That's not. They wasn't dressing like that in Palestine as you did. I mean, yeah, like, like, like they but that's irrelevant. Let me close it out. No, let me close it out. Just let me close it out. I'm just simply saying it's okay for them to be energetic uh, uh, or, or, or just uh, vigorous and, and, and happy and just, you know, being creative, but just don't say that's what they did. That, that's always well, my issue. But it's hold on, this is why. I'm saying so the same reason you can't do it on that side. So my point is, where do we draw the line? If that's the case, everybody can do what you said, saw a couple minutes ago. Everybody can do what you said, Sanjeti, a couple minutes ago. At what point do we realize what the difference is? And I'm saying that's always been that for me. I don't mind you being creative, but don't like don't say that these particular Africans was atheists if they wasn't. Y'all don't let me get away with it, so I sure as hell ain't gonna let nobody get away with it. So we, either y'all leave me alone with that, and we'll just say, all right, everybody can do like they want to do, or we gotta do, what we gotta do. It's just as simple. But like if it was atheist, every, every, wasn't it? Wasn't everybody can do what they want to do, regardless. That's that's I their can. that's yeah. their right as as agent beings. But my my question then is, okay, for example, what is Jabari and them wearing that the ancient Egyptians did not wear? Like people make throw that claim out there, but I don't think they studied enough Egyptian art to make that argument. Man, like that big ass unk, man. First of all, on my I mean, book, I, on my I, book I, cover, large you arc. see, you see on the walls. So that's where the guy. Nah, nah, ain't nobody running around outside with no big unks on their heck style. Y'all made that up. I'm sitting right here. Well, no, you, you're not listening, and I don't think you will. You no, we'll listen. No, well, I'm, I'm telling you where they where um Haru got it from. I just told you. Where you get it from? He got it from looking on the walls. That's where he got it. You don't need to make up something and stretch it. Well, they, I told you where he got it from. No, what got what from Sinjetti? Carrying an unk. Who he carried the unk, Sinjetti, around on a uh, was it deities that did that? And people, all, hold on, hold on. It, show, it shows it on that's where he got it from. That's it. There's no, there's nothing else. He got Hold it. On. You can, you can see on my, I took this photo here and the Nubian Museum. There, this brother is wearing, this is a statue of him wearing the unk on his chest. Oh, we ain't say that. We ain't, that ain't. Oh, but they were wearing, they were wearing unks as jewelry. And you saw deities and things carrying unks and kings or whatnot. And so, you know, where, where, uh, where are we getting this? Here you the go, hat? Oh, the, short, the, the hat with the big hump on it? 
It talks about rituals where they take an arc and put it to your nose. This stuff is is in the text. Now, I want to see them with big giant unks running around on their arms. I want to see them with big unks on their hats, and I will officially take that statement away. That's what I need to see. Now, no, we, if you're, I can't you're, see you're it on the walls. Stretching. Then, I'm telling you that unks were used in. Ah man, ah man. I'm, okay, you, I mean, you can, bro, you, stop that. You did it for years to stop. Okay. No, I just send it I'm to me. I don't believe it. I can just not believe it. This is this is this is what I mean here. No, if you no, don't, no, if you no, don't no, deal with fair. the text, y'all not fair, dude. You, that's not bruh, right. I'm, I'm, I know it's Where not right. Where is it in right. the text, though? Assault? Where is it at in the text, though? I can read it. I can read it. Uncle might not, but I can read it. So give me the text. No, I, I'm the one that said that. It's in okay, the pyramid text. And it's in the coffin text. I said that. And what did you say for specifically, Sinjetti? Because I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm being non-combative. I'm just not gonna let y'all sit up here and tell me anything. Y'all should be able to show me. Y'all can read it. Uh, us, um, Sean can read it, and we should be able to see dudes with big ass unks on their hats. I'll shut the hell up. I, I would like just, just let me. I should. But, be but hold, on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 just say if they if they wear unks on their clothes. Why does that bother? Let me let me say something. Why does that bother you? To the point. No, where state, no, no, state. No, it was a question asked. No, I'm asking. I, I got you. I, I, I got you. We can move on. Daddy, I'm asking you. Yeah, it doesn't it's, bother it's me. Psychological. Daddy, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me when people like you and Asar mix and match and act like that ain't what I'm asking y'all. I'm simply saying, show me where they do that at. Okay, we, we got you. Say, now, oh, I'm they asking don't necessarily you do it, but that's why the they Why does that bother you? I'm just here. You do whole shows or show segments where you're bashing as if you want to change somebody's behavior. This is what I'm asking. Why does it bother you? But then you tell me it doesn't bother you, but you exhibit no, the behavior I, I said it, someone I, in which no, it bothers. I actually told you what bothers me. The lie is the part that bothers me. Some Jetty, the same way you tell me, don't say they ate this. Do you but not? Hold on. No, my no, question saying, is, did on. you ask no, them? Hold on, hold Listen, on. Daddy, do you? Why does that bother you if I say they was atheists? Why does that bother you? You're not going to change your behavior. See how we could do that? Right. It doesn't but, make any but, sense. No, I'm no. The question you, is, you have a right. The question. Hold on. Had. I never said they didn't, though. I've never said that they don't have but, a right to have big giant unks. I never said that they don't have a right to put unks on their hat. That's called creativity. That's dope. But so, but even still, saying, my question is, did my you point even is, ask they them? They don't have a right did, to act like that's what they was doing listen, in Egypt. That's the right they listen, don't have without verifying. That's all I'm saying. The question is, did you ask them, did they make the argument that um, the ark on the hat no. was in? No, you asked them, the ones who actually doing it. So I you're making an assumption. But listen. This is this is this is this this isn't personal. This is an issue of methodology. Okay, you made an assumption on their part, and you you you're making it seem as if they are arguing that the unks were worn on the heads, and that this is a proper thing, and that this is ancient. Did you ask them if that was the case? So this would this would be doing you know in terms of 
field research. This is what we call field research. So did you ask them? I would only have to ask the Jetty. No, you don't just ask me in field. <laughs> you ask me because that's other people. That, like, that's that's poor methodology. They're not they're not answering the questions, Asar. I ain't gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. They're not at, they're not answering the questions that are posed and asked instead of saying that they that, that they made some of the stuff you, up. They're no, not no, answering. Hold on, wait a minute. Any here? Let me also clear this up. See, when we say something, say the phrase made something up typically that has the connotation of inva invalid that's why i'm very careful about how i phrase things like for example i've never ever said to unk about his ideas of real black atheism i never said to him you made that up because i said it before you got a chance to because i did make it up <laughs> I understand you made you it know, up differently. One question. Do you understand the point? No, my point is when I say you made something. No, no, I, the point that I made, I didn't, I didn't ask you about your point. I said the point that I just made. Yes, I just don't agree. Okay, thank you. Huh? person made something up and validates it. It simply made you're the person no, no, that. No, no, made no. That. I didn't say that. You're not, you weren't listening. I didn't say that. I said that it has a connotation, meaning implication, that something is invalid. Okay. 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 So if I'm saying something and you happen not to understand it, and then you respond, oh, you made that up. You're implying it's invalid. Okay, so we're all on the same page? No, we're not. I'm implying that the person that said it made that up. That's what I'm implying, Dosanjetti. You just you just made you just already. Where can I find the where, where can I find the where, where can I find the boat of raw ritual? Let's the be boat specific. of raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ask them directly where yes, they got it from? I got, I got, look, I got shunned. I was told that I was, I, I was irrelevant. So oh, I asked, where man, can I find the literal, the literal going to the Nile, the Nile River, and baptizing people in the Nile? Where can I find that? What I don't want to do is go point for point because I got, uh, I got like a host of claims. That well, these people well, have 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 made, uh, and then when I ask specific questions, uh, so that I can go get clarity, can I ask you? Who did you ask? Hold on, who you ask makes a big difference. Hold on, hold on one second, Sanjay. Can I ask one question, and I'll mute my mic, and you guys could rock it out for another thirty minutes. The one question I want to ask, and I argue with Sean every day about this: Does the word Tamahu means white man. Oh no, and they no. won't and they'll stick with the hell no. No, it doesn't. Uh, Move on. Does no? no? Asar? No. Sean? No, man. Okay. Now, now here's the thing. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate Going it. back from the 1990s, because I used to believe that. Okay. I saw it in Cesar's Did you see that in Cesar's book, Sanjeti? I'm Wait. sorry. White man's um whatever. Yeah, it was. But a, but you also have to you also have to clarify that if somebody is arguing that that's the literal meaning, or if they're referring to a people who just happen to be white by our modern uh, definition. So if you if you look at, I'm saying that we have to we have to be able to distinguish if somebody is making the argument. 
that the word tamahu means white man versus it the word tamahu referring to a group of people who in our modern times we would consider white folks or close to. So it's just like when you say the um, uh, the Amu, right? Mm-hmm. And referring, you know, in the literature, they'll say the Asiatics. But if we wanted to say the white man, we could say the white man. It wouldn't mean that the word Amu means white man, but we know who we're referring to. Because when we when we look at Jews and stuff to this nature, we consider them white folks. And so we we have to be clear in our questioning. Okay, Asar, let me ask yeah. this you. Let me ask you this straight up. In the nineties, I used to use the term Tamahu. When I used to go to slave theater, a lot of elders used to use it. A lot of people used to use it. Yeah. It is in reference to white people or to the European. So instead of saying the white man, they will say the Tamahu. Yeah. In Kemet, does it mean white people are the white man? Yeah. But that's that's my point. So for example, when uh, Dr. Marimba Ani says Yurugu. Mm-hmm. Right. Yurugu is not, it does not mean white person. But now we use the term to refer to white people. Okay, I got you. You get what I'm saying? So it's like it's like it's an irrelevant thing. Just calling them the white man. Like you're not going to find in our uh, like old literature us referring to them as the white man. But that's a kind of a white. That's a kind of a modern thing as a result of our interactions, our negative interactions with people from Europe. Hold on so we call second. it the white man. All right, um, <laughs> Sean, where's the link in the chat? Because you already started the other show. Uh, that's the pyramid text. Right. Right? Uh, Asar, Corey, Sean, Naya, Dr. Mayat, peace and love. Thank you guys, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jetty, that's the pyramid text, right? Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on, because I'm, I'm trying to. Um, it is an approximating the transliteration, but I want to give them the. Um, Let's give it because this is for any hair reach, so you can, you can have an idea of what it's saying. Okay. Okay. So, during in this section, if you have James P. Allen's pyramid uh-huh. text, I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. So, just type, so just type in the search, onk, it'll come up. Okay. It should be on page 319. So, okay. I'll put it here, page 319. All right. And that section is in that ritual is where they're presenting items after they're doing a jet medu or okay. a word spoken or recitation. Right. And it's the pyramid text of meat. So anyone out there who thinks that women didn't have pyramid text, this is demonstration to the contrary. Okay, I got it. I, I'll read it. I'm not trying to be, you know, I ain't trying, I'm not, I'm not what you're thinking. I ain't on that, Sinjadi. And, and remind you that um, there are other items Okay. Presented like the, like a flail, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, fingers, not human fingers, just uh, molds of fingers, mm-hmm. like made out of clay. So there's other items, but the ark is used in that ritual. Gotcha. All right, all right. So yeah, man, I'm not going. I, I wouldn't try to trick you, Jay. When I when, when you know when I when I'm really saying the person made it up, I I could understand you thinking, okay, I'm invalidating. I'm simply saying based off of 
what we're talking about, that particular statement you made is personally your statement. It doesn't align with the evidence. It aligns with what you're making up. That's what I mean. So when I, so if a person say, yo, you made up real black atheism, I'm gonna say, of course I did. So my, my issue has always been, we do have agency. And, and you're right, we shouldn't, we shouldn't care about what a person does like that. But my point is we got people looking at us and learning and whether they're doing it on purpose or not, people actually think that th this is exactly what they was doing in Kimmy. That's all I'm saying. And I think- but no one, no one make, but keep in mind that we don't claim this is exactly how things were done in Kimmy. I know you don't, Sinjetti. That, that's why I don't know why you fight me so much on it. Cause I know you don't. That's not your personal, that's not, I, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I've, I've never, I've known in, in, in as far as Jabari, I've known Jabbar for a real long time. I've never heard him say this is exactly how he did it in Kenya. Now, granted, because see, well, see, Jabbar is older than me, so so he's he'll have well, maybe some convictions, you know, that I I may have gone past, maybe, right? But um, you know, he's a good researcher. Right. But for example, watch this. Let's take one of my teachers, Dr. Kenny Ama. Mm -hmm. However, she still she'll still have convictions on certain points that I don't agree with because of newer research. But I'm not going to call her pseudo, you know, because of a conviction that she holds. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or or, right. or chastise her. I'm not. I mean, that that's not my style. I don't do that because it doesn't work. I get you. I get it. All right. I'm going to jump off here, man. All right. Jump on, um, All right. Um, Ace and Jay, I, I appreciate you coming through for real, bro. We're going to, I'm going to call you up later on the week or something, man, so we can wrap, yo. Appreciate right. you coming for real. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, man.